0: This will be, um, I don't suppose it will surprise anybody, quite long um, because there's a great deal to talk about. Um, I mean, I'm going to begin with telling you what you already well know, but uh, nonetheless, it's a good idea to frame uh, what's happened. So, the results were Tories, 365, that's plus 49. Labour Party, 202, minus 60. Lib Dems, 11, that's minus 2. And the SNP, 48 plus 13. So what's happened is pretty clear in that respect. On the other hand, when we look at percentages, it's quite an interesting read. Uh, This is compared with the 2017 general election. Tories increased their share of the vote by 1.2% right so that's quite an interesting statistic Uh, Labour Party minus 8% uh, Um, and according to what I've read that's higher than uh, in 2010 and in 2015 as a percentage of the vote so even though they've gone down uh, as a percentage of the vote um, um, that is better um, than um, not last time but the time before and the time before Liberal Democrats up 2.4% uh, so you can look if you wanted I think it's a complete waste of time I've seen um, graphs you know, with Parliament if this had been a PR um, election this would be the result well of course it isn't a PR election people didn't vote according to PR system so it's utterly irrelevant um, for those that think that uh, opinion polls are bunk, I don't by the way, um, worthwhile noting that the last opinion poll, at least that I saw, which was by MRP, uh, which came out just before the general election, showed the Tories on 43%, Labour Party on 32%, Lib Dems on 14%, and the Brexit Party and the Greens both on 3 percent well more or less that's what's happened right uh, there was no last minute surge to the labor party uh, the labor party was gaining ground but it was in you know extremely modest uh, gains yes if you look back at the eu elections uh, pretty impressive but these again ain't eu elections uh, also just to add on to that uh, the tories were clearly planning uh, this general election from way back. Um, in a certain sense, uh, if you look at the last general election, uh, this is the general election um, that they would have fought uh, if things had gone to plan. Um, their strategy last time round um, was to gain working class voters in traditional mm-hmm. Labour constituencies. That's what they had their sights on. When it came to this general election, we know uh, that um, they've done their research pretty thoroughly. They're not just relying on anecdotes. Um, They're going out there with focus groups. Uh, They're doing their spade work. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that Labour... got their worst results since 1935. Of course 1935 was in the aftermath of um, Ramsay MacDonald walking out and uh, forming the national government and then running a general election with the Tories. Um, I think labour could have actually improved uh, I think in the 35 election it actually improved its actual number of voters compared with uh, 29 but given all the other parties were against it, so you had National Labour you had the Liberal Party, you had the Tory Party against it, given the laws of first past the post uh, the number of uh, Labour MPs was dramatically reduced, of course how many years later ten years later, 1945 uh, Clement Attlee won a landslide I'm not saying that in ten years time by the way Labour's just about to win a landslide. Okay, why uh, did um, the uh, 2017 election not go according to Tory plans? I think that's a question worthwhile asking, because certainly I got the last general election hopelessly wrong. Um, uh, I thought the Labour Party would suffer a defeat of the sort that we saw on Thursday. That was my uh, View and it remained my view actually, and you know, up to election day. Um, uh, And it's true that the Labour Party had uh, a last minute surge, but why did things go wrong uh, as far as Tory plans were concerned? Well, my guess is we don't know this scientifically. My guess is that the Labour Party, in terms of when it came to Brexit, had a pretty ambiguous position that could be counted. Uh, amongst those that respected the referendum. You know, Corbyn came from a Brexit background. The Labour Party had voted for Article 50 in the House of Commons. So if you were a fervent Brexiteer, you could still look at the Labour Party and say, well, this party will carry out my wishes. That, that's, that's what my guess uh, would be. Uh, we can also say uh, that Jeremy Corbyn was something... Uh, of an unknown quantity. I'm not going to exaggerate it, but there he was. He was a a backbench uh, MP. He was known, I would guess, for his opposition to the Iraq uh, war. Uh, He was being accused of uh, being pro-IRA, pro-Hamas, and all the rest of it. But that didn't seem to, particularly at least, hit home. But also, of course, in um, 2017, the wheels went off, Theresa May's campaign, I think you'll all remember it was about pensioners, wasn't it, and uh, they had one policy and then they abandoned it, you know, as soon as she was questioned on um, on the matter, and she was running on firm and stable leadership, well, she showed neither, did she? she showed herself, what was the phrase that people came up with, weak and wobbly (laughs) so if you're running on uh, being a firm, decisive leader and you abandon a policy, as soon as you ask the first question on it uh, it didn't bode well uh, for the future, but we know what happened instead of being thrown back the Labour Party actually took a step forward and it was Theresa May what lost uh, the election it was Jeremy Corbyn, if we're using personalities, it was Jeremy Corbyn that won it well, what about this time? Well, according to the pollsters, and again, I'm not saying that's scientific in, in any exact sense, but this is what people are telling pollsters, <coughs> that Brexit, uh, in terms of uh, people who deserted the Labour Party, 21% of them put Brexit at the top of their list. So Brexit for these people, obviously, is almost a religious Uh, question. There's the Labour Party increasingly coming out uh, for a Remain position, coming out for a second Mm -hmm. referendum position. And there's the Labour Party in the House of Commons when the Tories put forward their uh, Brexit uh, bills including uh, Boris Johnson's. It's the Labour Party that's voting it down. So if you're a fervent Brexiteer, it's not only the Lib Dems that are responsible for your frustration, Uh, It's the Labour Party. The Labour Party has got a lot more MPs uh, than the Lib Dems, so it's the Labour Party that's to blame for these three wasted years. And you you can talk to people on the bus stop, in the pub, talk to relatives. It's time to get Brexit done. I mean, you must have heard that a hundred times, if you've not heard it a thousand times. So... Labour Party was seen to uh, be a Remain party. It was also seen to be sabotaging uh, Brexit. We've then got higher on the list, actually, which is interesting. I wouldn't have thought it, but again, this is what pollsters are are telling us. Uh, It's Corbyn himself Mm. uh, as a leader who's to blame. And certainly, talking to comrades who've gone out canvassing, uh, that seems to be a truth. You know, it's not just Brexit that's brought up on uh, the doorstep. It's Corbyn. What's wrong with Corbyn? You ask. He's d- a ditherer. Um, he's, we- he's weak. He's um, weak. That it's that sort of type uh, stuff. Well, again, um, I would actually link that in not only with uh, Brexit and-, and see him being dragged, and I think he was dragged. Uh, towards uh, a Remain position. Look at his position on anti-Semitism. I don't know how many people uh, would have uh, said I'm not going to vote for Labour Party over uh, anti-Semitism but I think the anti-Semitism campaign was emblematic uh, of uh, Corbyn's leadership. There he is he's the leader of the Labour Party as soon as he becomes leader of the Labour Party yes they're attacking him ...for um, Hamas, IRA... ...but the one that sticks... uh, ...is anti-Semitism... ...and what we get is... ...the Labour Party... um, ...saying that something must be done... ...on this question... Um, ...but... ...we were saying... ...from the very beginning... ...and I think we were right that whatever Jeremy Corbyn did, whatever the Labour leadership did, it was never going to be good enough for the Tsarnists, it was never going to be good enough for the Labour right, it was never going to be good enough for the Tory press, it was never going to be good enough for the BBC, it was never going to be good enough for the Tories, because it wasn't true. And as soon as they gave ground uh, on this anti-Semitism campaign, and they said, we will sort it, uh, and the accusations kept coming, uh, he was seen to be weak Uh, uh, as a leader and you saw that on display didn't you with um, uh, Andrew uh, Neil Um, wasn't it the will you apologise prevarication will you apologise prevarication and eventually they squeezed an apology uh, out of him that did not go down well Okay. so in terms of the big issues of why the Labour Party Lost ground, brexit is one. Corbyn himself um, um, is another. Then we have to ask ourselves uh, the question of would things have been different if only our pet scheme, whatever pet scheme i 've got, uh, had been adopted so let 's imagine um, you know that if only the Labour Party had adopted a lexit position, a left brexit. ...position as advocated by the SWP... ...Socialist Party in England and Wales... ...Counterfire, the Morning Star... ...I don't know if the list goes on and on and on... ...but there's plenty to choose from... ...look, in my view... uh, ...if they'd adopted uh, that position... ...you're into the game of pluses and minuses... Uh, ...I I don't believe that if you'd adopted a Brexit uh, position... ...call it a Brexit position... Uh, that in London and the South East, uh, that you would have seen an enthusiastic vote uh, for Corbyn. I think they would have lost ground, hand over fist, uh, to the liber- Liberal Democrats. I don't know in terms of what percentage. You know, I haven't got a clue. Uh, either way, it's not a win-win uh, situation. Uh, so, in the same way as them being dragged towards a remain position cost them uh, the opposite is also true now I'm looking at that purely in terms of numbers, I'm not looking at it in terms of what's principled I'm talking about purely electorally is there an easy way out if only Corbyn had done X everything is easy and there you are it's Jeremy Corbyn now sitting in number 10, I don't know if he's got a dog or a cat but you know that sort of type uh, uh, stuff he's got a cat, ok he's a cat person Okay. Um, in my view this is my view uh, it is the view of uh, the CPGB not that we don't have minorities or anything like that but as soon as the Labour Party accepted the legitimacy of David Cameron's referendum way back um, the die was cast because what happened uh, in Britain is you went from a, a system, crudely put, if we take the country as a whole, uh, to use Moshe Macover's um, an analogy of two-dimensional politics, class politics, uh, the working class versus those that aren't pro-working class, crudely put, uh, to another dimension. And the other dimension is obvious, it's Brexit. So as soon as you said, that this referendum is legitimate, as soon as you then were persuaded to go into a general election, and say so you will accept the result of that uh, um, referendum, um, there you are. Your 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 base is going to be split, <coughs> and it's either split. Well, it's it's crud, crud, again, very crudely, it's London versus the North. I mean, it, of course, it isn't as simple as that. But if you want to talk about gains <coughs> and pluses, either you keep London and you lose the North, or you keep the North. And you lose London. I mean, that's how I would view it. I know that's crude, uh, but I think there's a truth uh, there. The fact of the matter is that the population has split down the middle and the working class has split down the middle um, on this question. And in, in it's viewed in almost a religious uh, uh, fashion. People believe in Brexit or they believe in Remain in a very fervent way. This isn't just some casual. Um, um, you know, um, technocratic uh, 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 issue, and then of course, and I can't ignore that. Then there's the fact of the Labour Party civil war, and the the, the civil war in the Labour Party has been fought from the right from the beginning. So as soon as uh, Jeremy Corbyn looked like he was going to be elected, not even when he was elected, as soon as he looked like. Uh, he was going to be elected, the civil war started, the accusations Mm -hmm. uh, started. Uh, We all remember, don't we, Ian McNichol and uh, the purging of people, Mm -hmm. I think the best purge I can remember is I fucking love the Foo-Foo Fighters. Now, I don't know who the fucking Foo-Foo Fighters are. I think they're a North American rock group. That's my understanding. But I fucking love them. Right? I love them. No, excuse me. I fucking love them. Why am I saying the word fucking? Because in terms of Ian McNichol, if you use that word, uh, this was not only being rude, this was against Labour Party rules. Labour Party, no one in the Labour Party... Right, ever uses the F word, or any of the other choice Anglo-Saxons uh, I could have chosen. I don't think it was the Foo Fighters that were... But it was any excuse that they could get, and they were kicking people out, they were suspending people, because they didn't want people voting uh, for Jeremy Corbyn. And that happened both Time. So the civil war was being fought. We all remember again the organised resignations uh, from the front bench in terms of the Labour Party.
1: <clears throat>
0: the votes of uh, uh, no confidence. Wasn't there 72 of them? Um, you know, well, if you're an ordinary person sitting at home, is Jeremy Corbyn a good leader when half your you know, shadow cabinet resigns and then you have other resignations? half your parliamentary Labour Party seems to be in revolt against you. Well, you know, uh, it's the right. You also had the role of the Jewish Labour Movement. Remember, that was formed specifically to combat the Corbyn leadership. It wasn't because there were so many Zionists uh, in the Labour Party. It's because an anti-Zionist was coming to lead the Labour Party. And therefore they decided to relaunch uh, the Jewish Labour movement, in order to do what? Fight Corbyn. Uh, And we all heard them, um, you know, um, uh, issue declarations of not to vote for uh, anti-semitic candidates. And it's not only, of course, the right, it's not only the parliamentary Labour Party, apparently uh, Corbyn set up this thing called Momentum, remember his Praetorian Guard uh, that would uh, strike terror uh, into the right. John Landsman, the leader of Momentum, denounces Jackie Walker. Remember that? Uh, the vice chair of Momentum on the basis of anti-Semitism. And then goes on to vote for the adoption of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition, non-definition of anti-Semitism. We can go on and on and on. You know, Owen Jones... Uh, the AWL you know uh, it's not only the right in other words but the left itself people have reportedly uh, pro-Corbyn uh, were saying that there's an anti-semitism problem in the Labour Party that isn't being properly dealt with so who becomes the victims um, of this, I won't give you the long list but to me it's just absurd isn't it, Mark Wadsworth heckles someone Right? That is anti. Of course, he's not done for anti-Semitism. Jackie Walker, you know, is at a training session listening to various proposals. I don't know a definition of anti-Semitism that I've heard that I can work with. That becomes anti-Semitism, right? (laughs) She's not kicked out at the end of the day for anti-Semitism, but for bringing the party into disrepute. One can carry on. Uh, There's no need. Of course, there are some anti-Semites in the Labour Party. Of course there are. But percentage-wise, I would guess far less uh, than the Liberal Democrats. Far, far less uh, than uh, um, uh, the Tory party. But what I would say myself, I don't go with the slogan myself. Zero tolerance. Uh, I, I think that's a ridiculous thing. You know, we're living in a bourgeois society, we're living in a culture that... Not that many years ago, if we go back to the 60s, I don't know about other comments, maybe to the 70s, but certainly before that, the British ruling class was anti-Semitic. Large swathes of the working class would have been anti-Semitic. Large swathes of the middle class would be anti-Semitic. You know, in the 1930s, if you were Jewish, try joining your local golf club and see what would happen. I'm being serious, you'd been barred, right? So this is the society that we're living in no in my view the question would be that if someone's got anti-Semitic views education in the same way if someone's got national so- chauvinist views I mean, what do you do if someone's got a national chauvinist position like most of the Labour Party do you kick them out no it's education, education, education to quote someone or other <laughs> ok so um, no fight back um, by Corbyn, no fight back Uh, um, by the leadership uh, of the Labour Party. Indeed, what we get from John (coughs) MacDonald is accommodation uh, to this uh, anti-Semitism campaign. Not just apologising, but saying there's a problem, and those who say there isn't a problem become the problem. So if you say that it isn't a problem in the Labour Party, that becomes a problem in (laughs) and of itself. You know, there's no way uh, you can survive... (coughs) Sort of those conditions. So I think it's uh, uh, a stick uh, that they created themselves or allowed uh, to develop, uh, and uh, yeah, they beat themselves over their own back. Okay, Brexit, I think, has become a substitute for class politics. Now I know all politics are class politics in a way, but precisely because all classes were split on Brexit, the question is who is providing the leadership uh, on this question and I would say Mm. it's bourgeois politicians so when it came to Brexit well it wasn't the left Uh, this wasn't this wasn't a rerun in any sense of 1975 Uh, this is when I mean I remember that uh, of when Tony Benn and Enoch Powell would share a platform but they shared a platform right Um, uh, in this uh, period I mean OK, you've got Claire Fox. Uh, she's not a left- winger and hasn't been a left winger of any sort or description for 30 years. right? It, th- this campaign has being dominated by Nigel Farage, the far right, Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, and you can list off, uh, you, know, the ERG, Rees Morgan, and all the rest of it. The left played no significant role whatsoever. If anything, they were just spear carriers. Um, uh, on the question. And I would say the same applies to Remain uh, that if we look at the big people's vote demonstration it's the Lib Dems that dominate it the Labour right provides some sort of uh, sprinkling uh, the left is irrelevant uh, 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 to that campaign so these are both bourgeois uh, led <laughs> uh, campaigns SWP told us back in 2016 that it was voting Leave, Why? Seriously, they told us, and I think they're absolutely serious, they told us that if uh, 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 the vote was uh, leave, this would get rid of David Cameron. Uh, We said, well, you'll get rid of David Cameron, we don't think he'll last 15 seconds, Uh, but then you'll get, and this is actually what we wrote, uh, you will get either uh, Michael Gove, Theresa May or Boris Johnson. Well, We've had two of them already. I mean, and so what? You know, is British politics gone to the left Is anyone going to tell me that Boris Johnson's Tory cabinet is further to the left than David Cameron's? Well, clearly not. This must be the most right-wing Tory cabinet since when? 50 years? 60 years? 70 years? I don't know. Uh, But for a damn long time. So far from shifting politics to the left, uh, going along with this referendum and taking the particular side, I'm not blaming the SWP, their vote... is as as irrelevant as ours in truth, you know. Um, But nonetheless, politically, they tie themselves uh, to that particular uh, wagon. OK, just moving on. A quick comment on um, it's time for real change. (coughs) In my view, this was a classic example of the narrowest uh, economism. It's true Uh, ...that you had the abolition of the House of Lords... ...but it was going to be uh, replaced by a Senate. Well, why the hell do you want a Senate? Apparently this has been made up of the nations and regions of Britain. Why does anybody on the left want a second chamber? I mean, I I think this is really dumb. We know the role of second chambers under bourgeois constitutionalism. They are there to supposedly um, check and advise. The reality is to block they're there to block radical measures that's why they exist the so-called superior house the higher uh, um, chamber of parliament is actually the most right wing Um, that's its role Uh, why on earth anyone on the left would want such uh, an abomination uh, I don't know but the rest of uh, it's time for real change Um, some of it uh, was welcome, some of it was radical, certainly compared with uh, the previous manifesto, which did, yes, represent a break from neoliberalism. I like the free broadband, yeah, 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 okay. But this was entirely within the sphere of capitalism, right? This wasn't 1945 even, and Attlee saying that these nationalisations, these changes, will herald a shift uh, to socialism. And it's not about how many times the word socialism is mentioned, it's how it's sold. Um, in 1945, the Labour Party could still put itself over as a reformist party. We actually want to get rid of capitalism. That was the claim, right? Slowly, 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 but that was the perspective. With Jeremy Corbyn, does anyone remember? I think he was interviewed, was it by Andrew Marr or someone like that? Or maybe it was John MacDonald, I can't remember. But John MacDonald's, remember, Who's Who uh, entry goes something like, um, you know, what's your favourite hobby? I'm just making this up now. Um, My favourite hobby is fermenting. As I'm dyslexic, I I have to be told these things. Fermenting is spelt two different ways. There's fermenting revolution, and then there's fermenting the stuff that I like to drink downstairs after... At London Communist forums, right John MacDonald spelt it fermenting as in beer, right, but nonetheless fermenting revolution right and fighting for socialism or something like that, anyway, on TV there he is being asked, well you know you 're out to get rid of capitalism, blah blah. Blah, 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 not answering the question. Come on, answer the question. Blah, 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 blah. Come on, answer the question. Do you want to get rid of capitalism? Well, not really. That's the truth, isn't it? That's the truth of this manifesto. Right? Now, the left might have looked upon it and said, well, hey, here you are. This is about bread and butter issues. This will get people excited. And through spontaneity, uh, we can develop a struggle Uh, that will go on to socialism in my view that's a a bankrupt uh, piece of nonsense these were reforms within capitalism these were reforms for the benefit of the economy that apparently would serve us all so there you are, a capitalism that will serve the exploited class and the exploited class how can you have an exploitative system that serves the exploited Uh, I, I think it's an oxymoron Uh, I think this is um, hot snow. Uh, I, I don't see how you can honestly put it forward. Anyway, moving on. We'll come back to the Labour Party in a minute. I just want to look at those that have enjoyed the tender embrace of the Tory Party and what happened to them in this election campaign. The Lib Dems. I have to say that I'm surprised. I'm still surprised. I don't think it's because people have got long memories... Uh, I don't think that this is because of um, their betrayal on student tuition fees and all the rest of it. Um, But uh, the fact of the matter is, whatever the reason, uh, Joe Swinton's strategy of um, saying we are the purest of pure uh, remain parties, we will cancel Article 50 if we are elected as a majority... Um, We won't even bother with a second referendum, even though we've been out on the people's uh, vote marches. That seemingly didn't come over well. But also, then you have to say that faced with the Labour Party, which had become second referendum, which had become a Remain party, that had become less ambiguous on the question, when you're faced with the Lib Dems, who are a small party Mm -hmm. in a first-past-the-post system, it's quite obvious that the Lib Dems bled uh, voters to the Labour Party. That's what's happened. And so Joe Swinton, as we well know, um, is no longer leader of the Liberal Party, Liberal Democrats, and they lost two seats. What about the other party that enjoyed the embrace of the Tory party, the DUP? Down two seats. Well, anyone who's been, mm-hmm. um, you know, not in coalition, but in a, was it supply and whatever it's called, uh, an Co- Lo- arrangement? Co- Co- Co-
2: Co- what? Confidence.
0: Confidence and supply. Thank you very much. Uh, agreement with the Tory party. And then they've seen in terms of being a Northern Irish party seen this uh, customs barrier drawn down the middle of the Irish Sea. I mean they deserve to lose seats, they lost seats, they lost seats to the SDLP the SDLP is back in Parliament for the first time uh, with two seats. Sinn Féin's vote went down marginally but again that could be because of deals that they struck uh, with the SDLP. It's the first time they've been doing Uh, I don't know. Someone who knows more about uh, uh, politics in Ireland will be writing for this week's paper, so we have to see. OK. Brexit party. Um, Well, I thought that was the wild card in the pack. I thought that was the party that could have done it for the Tories. I busted their general election strategy. uh, Because, um, yes, the Remain camp... Uh, was clearly split uh, between the Labour Party and the Lib Dems but so was uh, the leave camp and we only need to look back Uh, at the EU elections the Tory party was humiliated Nigel Farage was triumphant Uh, but as soon as he stood down, I don't know how many candidates was it 316, whatever the figure was uh, of sitting Tory MPs, that was the end of the Brexit party, that was the end of the Brexit party campaign because the message was clear, if you want Brexit done you need the Tories, well do you want a hung parliament then Nigel? Because 316 ain't a majority, so various Brexit uh, candidate, Brexit party candidates voted with their feet. Remember all these talks of bribery and offers of House of Lords, Sir this and Lady that. I don't know whether that's true or not. All I knew is that though the report about whether it being true or not would not come out before the general election was over. Um, But there you are, the Brexit Party collapsed and it went down, this is metaphorically speaking, from 30% of the vote to 3% uh, 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 of the vote. And we now have, of course, Nigel Farage saying, well, when we have the vote in the House of Commons on, is it January the 31st, 2020, he will then form the Reform Party, right, which apparently is going to campaign around getting rid of the House of Lords, hurrah, and proportional representation, hurrah, does it stand a chance? I don't think so. Uh, I don't see that having traction uh, at all. Um, we we'll have to have other causes uh, to add uh, uh, in order to take that forward. But the Tory party, in my view, has effectively dealt with the Lib Dems, effectively dealt with the DUP, effectively dealt with the Brexit uh, party. OK, we all had a little pleasure uh, on the night. We did have uh, some people that, you know, you, you say, well, that's sad. Uh, Chris Williamson, 600 or so votes, sad. Shows that you had didn't have a solid base in the constituency or in the CLP, for that matter. Um, we had Laura Pickcock uh, uh, defeated. Dennis Skinner, what a terrible way to end his parliamentary Career, is it 40 something years? 49. 49 years, Bolsover, the beast of Bolsover, that history of militant anti Toryism, you know, the councillors uh, being debarred and uh, all the rest of it. Now it's a Tory seat. But okay, we did have some chuckle moments, didn't we? Joe Swinson, (laughs)
1: ha
0: (laughs) ha 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 ha. Nigel Dodds, (laughs) Ha <laughs> Zach Goldsmith, bastard.
1: Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Caroline Flint.
0: <laughs> Mary Cray, Frank Field, bastard. <laughs> Luciana Berger, God, isn't it really? nice to see her career end this way? Chris <laughs> <Yeah>. Leslie <laughs> Right, so these are all equivalent moments, I think, to all of us of watching well, there, are, there are others, but the, these are all moments, aren't they? Of uh, Michael Portillo. You remember when he was defeated? Michael Portillo, the future leader of the Tory party, when they say whatever the hell it was, we say S A S. You know, so he was going to be the right wing inheritor of Thatcher's mantle, and he went down to uh, Stephen Twigg. <clears throat> Um, wasn't that a lovely uh, night we all cheered, great so there were some nice moments um, on election night I have to say ok, let's just look to the future what will happen with the Tory government well with an 80 majority and a purged Tory party and candidates pledged uh, to carry out his bidding when it comes uh, to the Brexit deal um, this actually allows him wriggle and if you read, I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen but if you read uh, the Financial Times and read their um, uh, commentators they are hoping for a brino that under Boris Johnson you will not get a hard Brexit uh, you'll get a Brexit in name only now I, I personally suspect that that's more in hope Uh, than expectation, but he is in that position. And certainly what the FT writers, I don't know whether Boris Johnson will listen to them, what he's saying is now tone down the Brexit question. You've won uh, over the Labour Party, you've seen off the Liberal Democrats, you've finished uh, the Brexit party, now make Brexit purely a technical question that civil servants can deal with. We have our occasional votes in the House of Commons that leave it to the grey men and women, uh, you know, from Whitehall and Brussels to negotiate the details. Don't start talking about betrayal. Um, Tone the whole thing down. Um, Maybe. What I would say, um, at least the way it looks to me... Uh, is whatever happens with Europe um, is that Britain will maintain and do its best to strengthen its alliance with US imperialism. And I think the calculation has to be now that Donald Trump has a good chance of a second term. And I think that's how uh, the Tory government, Boris Johnson and his advisers, will be thinking. Now, on one level, you would say... Uh, and that's what our correspondent in The Weekly Worker says, uh, that actually now it's the Democrats in the United States that are the party of war, it's the Republicans, bizarrely, that not the party of peace, but are the party of um, isolationism, uh, of withdraw um, um-ism. Nevertheless, anyone who looks at uh, Donald Trump and says this man is clearly... Um, on a peace course, that he couldn't attack North Korea, he couldn't attack China, he couldn't attack Russia, he couldn't intervene in Ukraine, he couldn't decide to bomb the shit uh, out of Iran. I think he's talking nonsense. And the point would be, if he decides to do that, he wants international allies in such a mission. Not that it matters militarily, but it would matter diplomatically. Boris Johnson will be stuck there just like Tony Blair was stuck there. Uh, uh, with Bush I'm convinced of that also what I'm convinced of is attacks on the working class it's true in the run up uh, to the general election suddenly we saw magic money trees growing all over the place and promises about NHS teachers uh, the police force suddenly there was money 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 to spend apparently now there's money to spend on the north Uh, but if they do spend money on the NHS, I think what we already know, what we already suspect, is that, that will involve privatisation, further, further, further uh, privatisation uh, of the NHS, which means more and more malfunctioning uh, of the NHS. This does not bring efficiency, it brings inefficiency. The other thing I'm convinced of, and it's interesting in terms of uh, the Financial Times something must be done about the rails and they're not talking uh, about nationalisation they're talking about the RMT and bolshevik workers right? so they're commuters uh, they have to stop these strikes and I think we'll see moves uh, against specifically the RMT now whether that's covered in wider anti-Trade Union legislation I don't know but my suspicion is that they will find it relatively easy to smash the CWU. You know, that's been partially privatised. Parcel delivery is the profitable side of it. Uh, anyone who gets, uh, uh, you know, a book as I do from Amazon will know it don't necessarily come from the post office. Right? It comes from private companies. RMT, much more difficult not to crack. But I think that's what they will be uh, uh, aiming to go for. Um, I also think it's worthwhile adding a note. Tory breaks in and uh, gains working-class voters. Who are working-class voters? Are there no working-class voters in London? Is the Labour Party now a middle-class party? Uh, I think this is something that the the bourgeoisie has been banging on about, trying to get rid of the working-class uh, in um, disc in terms of discourse, political discourse, I would guess since the beginning of not t- in terms of the culmination of universal suffrage in britain so i, 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 I don 't know i haven 't studied it, but I would guess one thousand nine hundred and twenty nine or something like that, um, there you are all women have uh, the vote, um, all men over a certain age have the vote, and the Tories have to win those voters and what they do. Uh, is start redefining what working class is, and I particularly remember that. Uh, for a few years, I live in a place called Luton, which used to be uh, one of the heartlands of um, industry in the southeast. It used to make cars, lorries, and there was a famous sociological study done of these workers. It was I can't remember the name of the two authors of it, but it was called the affluent worker. And this was meant to show why modern workers, affluent workers, are becoming middle class. They don't go on strike. Do you know that they have holidays in Spain and own a car? <laughs> They're clearly middle class. Right? What was beautiful about it, this was in the 60s, as the book came out, The Affluent Worker, Vauxhall, which used to be known um, um, in industrial circles as the cabbage patch, because it was built on a cabbage patch, and hadn't had a strike in the plant ever. They went on strike, and uh, this as a book came out, and they went on strike and By the time I got there, uh, I knew all the conveners shop stewards in the plant because they were members of the communist uh, uh, party, and so far from these workers becoming middle class, clearly uh, they were undergoing a process of becoming militant and The fact of the matter is at least in terms of Marxism, mm-hmm. we recognize yes the distinction between brain work and uh, physical work but we also recognize that brain work is proletarian can be proletarian if you're using your brain as the main your main or we all know that we're physically alive and we're using our bodies but if you're talking about brain work it can produce you surplus value but as far as the bourgeoisie is concerned as soon as anyone goes to university let alone own a car and go to holiday in spain uh, you somehow become middle class this is absolute nonsense so in my view Uh, This stuff about Tory uh, successes in working-class areas is much exaggerated. i already said that in terms of the growth of the Tory vote, was it 1.2 per cent? So it's the the decline of the Labour uh, uh, vote that uh, is particularly important. Anyway, uh, I would also say that um, the North is changing. And... um, the fact of the matter is what, is, what, what we've seen is deindustrialisation, particularly affecting the Midlands and the North and what this has led to is a recomposition of the working class and uh, the big concentrations of workers is gone, the biggest concentration now, I would guess would be local government work the next one I'm just guessing would be something like call centres and then one goes down into the gig economy, people working in taxes, working in small little places and all the rest of it—not the same experience as if you're working in a mine or a steel plant or a car plant, right? Uh, in terms of developing of class consciousness. So the working class in the north is changing itself, and we shouldn't view it as some sort of, you know, the red wall, uh, you know, as some sort of um, conscious working class, because the political education hasn't been done. People forget new generations. Come along, people's new experience gives them a new way of looking at things. So Brexit and the position they're in becomes the the reason why they're in there. So it's Brexit is to explain deindustrialisation, nothing to do with the Tory turn to neoliberalism, uh, nothing to do with capitalism's abandonment of the uh, social democratic settlement. Um, Just a little note again. Get Brexit done. Will that be the slogan for the next five, ten years? Well, it will have to be. (laughs) That's the reality of Brexit. It will not be done on January the 31st, 2020. It will last a long time. Meanwhile, I would expect uh, the death of the British car industry. Uh, Maybe something will survive, but I can't see why. Um, the city apparently has got everything sorted out but in terms of manufacturing I would see a further uh, decline but it ain't all over yet that's what I'm uh, uh, emphasising what will happen in the Labour Party we're starting to come to a close but there's still a bit more to go I don't know, I'm not sure what will happen with the Tory government I don't know what will happen in the Labour Party it's much more open if, if what's going to happen with the Tory government is open-ended and I haven't got a clue sort of idea, it could be this, it could be that what's going to happen in the Labour Party? Well I would say to begin with, I think Momentum everyone must have seen the, the Laura uh, email haven't you done well, isn't this a lovely time to live uh, they all sent out to Momentum mem- members, I don't know if anyone saw that <coughs> they're in denial Right, <coughs> Labour has suffered its biggest defeat Uh, since 35 with politics that you thoroughly approved of Okay. pro-left Remainers uh, uh, I think they're in denial as well if only (coughs) the Labour Party adopted uh, Remain earlier something like that it would have done extremely well Uh, the Lexiteers if only they'd adopted um, Lexit it would have done extremely well I think they're all in denial Uh, I, I, I don't think that that's true the fact of the matter is we've got to think about it in real terms and we need to recognise the limitations of Corbyn as an individual but also the position that this, this guy is in in terms of history. Corbyn won because of the morons, not the strength of the left but the stupidity of the right. Right? People then joined the Labour Party in order to vote Corbyn but who let him in? It was the right and, and it was their stupidity so it's a historic accident. Not the strength of the left, and we got that reform in spite of the left. Remember, we all opposed the Collins review, one person, one vote, three pound membership, uh, and all the rest of it. But Corbyn had how many um, loyal allies in the House of Commons? I mean, does anyone want to give me a figure? But whatever figure you give me, it, you know, it's tiny, isn't it? I, I've got written down fifteen, but could have been twelve, could have been five, could have been two. You know, him and Diane. I don't know. Uh, whatever it was, he ain't exactly dealing from a strong um, uh, position. So there he is, he's leader of the Labour Party, he's got the the right to dish out uh, positions to the shadow cabinet, give people career boosts, give people pay boosts, but that sets him up for serial uh, rebellions, serial resignations. He couldn't have done much uh, about that. OK, but... Uh, we can go through some things he should have done which we would have called for him to do but then look at what would happen automatic reselection, what would have happened with automatic reselection in my view the right would have walked uh, I would say good would Fuck him. Gone. yeah, they, that's what they would have done so if, if say a year before the general election uh, we'd uh, managed because in the constituencies the left had flooded in mm-hmm. we'd managed to deselect 100 150 and going on right-wingers. They ain't just going to sit there and let it happen, they would have split. And they would have formed a separate party with the backing of the Guardian, whatever. There's a cost, that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, That should have happened, Uh, but the reason why the um, conference took the decision it did is because of Corbyn and Unite not wanting the right to split away. They'd just seen, um, what do they call themselves, Change UK and all that load of shits. Uh, They didn't want anything bigger. Um, every time the right rebelled, purge them, do what Boris Johnson did when his left wing rebelled, he said, right, and we 're drawing the whip uh, from you. Yeah. OK, Corbyn could have done that. We draw the whip from these people. the seventy two youth, plenty of opportunities, purge the bastards, purge them ruthlessly. OK, then what happens? Uh, they split, right They form a block, they stand against you with the backing of The bourgeois establishment. Maybe they join the Tories or the left-wing Tories in a national government. So, anti-Semitism. Fight back. That's what we say. What would have happened? Right. You fight back. My God, the right would be up in arms. They were up in arms, but super up in arms. Right. Uh, 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 in terms of the outrage. Uh, you would have seen more sections of the left even collapsing. We saw John McDonnell, Mac- John we saw John Lansman. What about the soft left that actually joined the Labour Party? How firm would they be um, over that question? Either way, yes, that should have happened. But what you're doing in every occasion is you're risking the right splitting away. And then we come to the real Achilles' heel because for the Labour left, everything... ...is about winning the next Labour government. Any Labour government is better than a Tory government. I disagree. I lived through Ted Heath's government of the early 70s. It wasn't quite heaven, but my God, it was fun. Right? Two miners' <coughs> strikes. Right? Two miners' strikes. One which closed down Saltley Gates. <coughs> right? With unofficial uh, uh, organisation from below... Uh, with the Birmingham engineering workers coming out on strike and walking down that hill and the police, what was he, police constable of whatever the hell it happens to be, ringing up Reggie Maudling, the Home Secretary. Prime Minister, I can't hold the gates. This is a power station. I cannot hold it, right? The miners had one, right? 1974... Ted Heath says, who rules the country? Is it the trade unions or is it the government? What happened? Well, it wasn't the trade unions ruled the country, but the government stopped ruling because it was defeated in a general election. How many days a week did we work? Was it a three-day week? Mm. Right. I remember sitting there with my mum with the candles, no TV because of the ...power of the working class. I remember the Pentonville Five, five dockers deliberately getting themselves uh, arrested. It was, come and get us then. We're breaking the law. Fuck you. Arrest us. They arrested them. They took them down the road into Pentonville Prison. You could go round to factory after factory saying, we're all coming out, and people came out in solidarity with the Pentonville Five. They shut down Fleet Street... <clears throat> Right, The TUC threatened, unless those five dockers were released, we're having a protest one-day general strike. This is when the SWP, in the form of the IS, was saying we don't support a general strike, because a general strike, by the way, is insurrectionary. So they were actually arguing against a general strike uh, when the <coughs> Pentonville Five were arrested. Either way, it was fun. The working class was strong. Then we get a Labour government of Harold Wilson and he incorporates the trade union bureaucracy. They kill off the shop stewards movement. Uh, conveners become officials. We have the a uh, uh, system. Automatic deduction of union fees. Contact between shop stewards and the rank and file is weakened. Membership of uh, trade unions goes up to 12 million but the militancy is killed off. And we have... As Stan will know, employment tribunals, instead of coming out on strike as soon as your comrade is sacked, which used to be the situation, you now have this month after month after month of going through court proceedings, and people say at the end of it, Stan who? Never heard of that guy, because it's so long ago, they might bung you a few thousand (laughs) quid, but it's killed off militancy, and it's trade union officials that are dealing with its lawyers, that are dealing with it. So, no, I don't think that any Labour government is better than any Tory government. The usual situation is Labour governments stab the working class in the back. And as a result of that, workers don't come out and vote for that government next time round, and you get a right-wing government. That's usually the pattern. Mm -hmm. So it's everything for a Labour government. That's why they gave way on anti-Semitism. That's why they placated the right over the um, uh, Remain Uh, Position. That's why you had this broad shadow cabinet and all the rest of it. That's why they didn't touch the constitution. That's why Corbyn gave way on Trident, gave way on NATO, gave way on 2% defence spending. It's to placate the right because the left was committed to the next Labour government and therefore paralysis. Uh, follows. So with Corbyn, no, lo- no knight of the long knives, um, no purging uh, of the right, instead bending over backwards to concede uh, to the right. It was never going to be good enough. One more observation, uh, the Labour left and uh, much of the non-Labour left is brought into this uh, politics as an exchange, politics as a transaction version of politics. Uh, that if you vote for us, we'll give you free Brand. If you vote for us, we'll give you NHS spending. Right? We'll give you good times. If you vote for us, uh, we'll make life lovely uh, for <laughs> you. It's nonsense. Right? What would have happened if Corbyn, bizarrely, right, I don't, you know, this circumstance, that circumstance, Brexit party had stood, the vote had done like that, And Labour Party had emerged with a majority in the House of Commons and bizarrely they'd uh, uh, elected um, Corbyn as their uh, leader to be Prime Minister as opposed to the Queen choosing someone else. What we know, Mike Pompeo would have done pushback. Uh, MI5 would have mobilised, MI6 would have mobilised, the state would have mobilised, the bureaucracy would have mobilised, the Queen would have been furious. She would not be a happy bunny. Right, The establishment would have gone all out. There would have been a run on the pound. There would have been a flight of capital. There wouldn't be any investment. What happens to your tax take? Does anyone think that with no money you can then spend it on the NHS? The idea that it's all lovely and roses, uh, this is not true. If the working class comes to power in mm-hmm. one country... right? You, uh, and almost anywhere you should be telling the working class the truth that we will be in for hard times chances are we will have a civil war Right? that's the message of the Bolsheviks that's the message uh, of communism it's not that we want civil war but it ain't all lovely, lovely, lovely they will resist if you read Engels talking you know, to the Second International he uses the analogy of the slave owners revolt that we could win an election, but then the bourgeoisie, the capitalist class, would stage their version uh, of the slave owners' revolt, i.e., the South uh, of the United States. They will take up arms. Uh, they will go out to kill you. Right? That's the truth uh, of it. So you should not promise people nonsense. Right? And it is nonsense. <coughs> so then we have. Okay. So what happens now? Paul Mason et al. Paul Mason former Trotskyite, former supporter of the Fifth International, or League Four, God help us. Uh, What he wants is unity of left and right. He calls it the centre. He means the right wing of the Labour Party. Without the Stalinists. Who the hell are the Stalinists? (laughs) Well, other than Andrew Murray and bloody Seamus Milne, who the hell are we talking about? I mean, seriously. No, I mean my view, what we've got with... um, Poor old Paul Mason, someone rapidly evolving towards the Tory Party. Uh, I think he'll end up, you know, in a few years' time, like John Mann. Um, well, that's where he's going. I mean, he's going at such a bloody rate. Uh, he, you know, last time I heard him, he was advocating higher defence spending, higher, keep Trident, go for nuclear. Right? That's Paul Mason advocating a coalition government, and he talks about Stalinism. Right? You, know, you talk about Georgie Dimitrov and uh, the popular front that's what he was advocating so what he's really talking about is a candidate who can do a deal with the right i.e. in reality a right wing candidate who can present themselves as left wing Neil Kinnock g- good example um, Harold Wilson you know bit of a leftish background but now trustworthy enough to do the left Okay, that's what Paul Mason is advocating. That's what all those are advocating, if they're advocating keeping the existing Labour Party together, (coughs) compromising with the right in order to win the next general election. So, we have... And this is the right. This is the right. Um, I didn't watch the interview, but this is Alan Johnson. I know he's a former MP, uh, but he's got some standing still in the Labour Party, he's on TV's show with John Lansman and they're discussing the post election Alan Johnson, we should purge momentum, it's a cult there's John Lansman sitting next to him that is the intention of the right, so the left is going along, oh please be in unity with us, here they are armed with clubs and sabres in order to bash you over the head, stab you in the back and all the rest of it, and we are talking peace. They are talking... Financial Times editorial, extended editorial. What should happen now? Boris Johnson uh, should do this. Labour Party. Here we go. Forging a modern social democratic party will mean breaking the Marxist grip on labour. Well, there's a few Marxists round this uh, uh, table, but grip on labour? What What's it mean? I mean, it doesn't mean you or me. It means the labour left. That's what Alan Johnson uh, means. He means purging the labour left in a way that we've never, ever, ever seen before. Not in the way that the Communist Party was purged in the 1920s, not the way uh, that Militant was purged uh, uh, under Kinnock, not the way that Ian McNichol purged people uh, in the early Corbyn years. We must be talking about a purge that would add up to hundreds of thousands of members. That's what the Labour right will be intending. Right, and uh, I, I can't see. I, I can see other ways of them going about it, uh, but if you want to get rid of the left, you've got to get rid of the left, and that means purging uh, the left. I don't know how uh, they're going to do it. There's a number of different schemes. One of them uh, um, is to recruit. Clearly, not enough. A hundred thousand moderates. This is um, what's her name. Um, <coughs> Uh, Jess Phillips along with Alastair Darling ex-Labour member (coughs) clearly someone who's interested in getting rid of the Corbynites but the right will be planning the right will be mobilising as we speak in order to purge the left, in order to break uh, the left Um, and that they can do that actually with a leadership that's been elected by the left that's my uh, argument right <clears throat> so let's go down some some of the um, potential candidates I'm sure there'll be more uh, I'm sure that some of these will drop out Keir Starmer, clearly the choice of the parliamentary Labour Party given the present balance, he's in the shadow cabinet what a role he's played from our point of view but he's someone that we can rely on okay. but will the membership elect him not likely under present circumstances so that one doesn't work out Emily Thornberry well yeah um Labour Friends of Israel can talk a bit of anti-fascism there she was loyal to Jeremy Corbyn but not an anti-Semite oh no she, was, she would have been there fighting Mosley I'm sure she would have been um, Laura Pitcock well she can't stand, she's not an MP anymore Rebecca Long Bailey, well that's my guess for the uh, post-Corbyn continuation of Corbyn um, I will press the button Uh, The the nuclear deterrent, to me that's uh, a symbolic um, message to the right that I will press the button not only when it comes to uh, Trident missiles but uh, uh, I would stand up to the left, I would do a deal with the right maybe this is being unfair but I don't think so and then we get into other candidates, Jess Phillips I've already mentioned originally my notes said self-publicity, she just produced a book um, but then I thought to myself as soon as I saw the Daily Mail article about her and uh, Alastair Car- Campbell teaming up together to bring 100,000 people into the Labour Party I went, hmm, maybe she could be portrayed as sort of the earth a, working, a real working class person she comes from Birmingham she's got the accent, she isn't from London uh, and she knows the gift of the gab and she knows how to insult uh, left wing uh, candidates Uh, for not really being working class Liz Nandy someone who Owen Jones um, has suggested for the leadership before when it was uh, at the time of Owen Smith Um, so maybe her, Angela Rayner has been mentioned, both of them I've described as softest of left shit so that's my sort of designation of you two comrades (laughs) Stephen Kinnock, I don't think he's got a chance but he might do it just to uh, wave a flag for promotion um, in terms of his career. OK, we're really getting to the end now. Um, OK. SWP going out and demonstrating, I thought was a dumb move, under um, stand-up to racism. Look, if the Labour Party had got more of the popular vote, then that's great. Uh, go out and say this is illegitimate election. Uh, we stand against first-past-the-post... Um, if there'd been um, skullduggery uh, uh, going on yes, yes, yes Uh, but after an election where the Labour Party lost 8% um, um, uh, strikes me as rather dumb and saying that Boris Johnson isn't my Prime Minister well ok, the Queen's not my Queen and uh, I don't know it just strikes me as stupid but they also say which is again the irony of it (coughs) so you look back last week And they're saying that we should respect the referendum result. So this does strike me as take your pick. And uh, what you like, you like. And what you don't like, you don't like. So uh, it just strikes me as um, stupid politics. What do we need? We need a Marxist left in the Labour Party. Not a left Labourite left. Um, There's been a number of schemes to get the Labour left together. On the basis of opening statement, we exist to support the leader. What leader? Even if it's Jeremy Corbyn. No, we don't exist to support the leader. We use the leader, who happens to be Jeremy Corbyn, to our advantage. We defend that leader against the right, but we pursue our own course. That should be the statement. Uh, Supporting a left reformist leader is wrong. We need a Labour left uh, that's Marxist. We need a Labour party that's Marxist. Crucially, we need a communist party that is saying we oppose the existing constitution and we will organise the working class um, en masse uh, and educate uh, the working class en masse. In my view, there's no shortcuts to socialism. You ain't going to get to socialism via a Jeremy Corbyn uh, government. You'll get to socialism by a mass communist party by a mass trade union movement dominated uh, by Marxists and communists by a co-op movement with our own mass media Uh, the fact that Jeremy Corbyn and um, John MacDonald ended up on the media circus uh, being badgered and bullied uh, by various commentators I thought was uh, pathetic Uh, you cannot explain questions such as Audience member, what do you think has been the most successful system, capitalism or socialism, in the two minutes required by that programme's format? You couldn't do it in two hours. So this is a ridiculous way of going about politics. We need a situation, it could have happened, of where we had strong constituency Labour parties with full-timers but all the money that's come into the Labour Party with its mass membership has gone into Victoria Street, the bureaucracy, not under the control um, of uh, the membership. Okay, just a few other points. Scotland, haven't mentioned Scotland. Obviously, big move forward for the SNP. Big headache uh, for Boris Johnson. Big constitutional crisis. No doubt uh, about it. Do we welcome that? No. Uh, our position should be self-determination for Scotland. That should be fought for in England <coughs> and Wales. In Scotland, the principal position is unity. Right? Unity with workers in England and Wales against uh, the Tory uh, uh, government. Um, so, will the SNP go for a referendum? quite possible because Boris Johnson put two fingers up to them you might have increased the number of MPs uh, that you've got I will send the letter back asking for a referendum um, to send her uh, utter uh, uh, contempt uh, will uh, the SNP government go for its own actual referendum <coughs> and a UDI quite conceivable but then looking at Catalonia you have to be prepared for prison Will Nicola Sturgeon be prepared to go to prison? I don't know, but why not? If you're a serious politician, that's something you should be prepared uh, to do. In such a referendum, would it be 45% of the electorate voting for independence? No, you'd expect 95% of it, because it would be organised by the SNP. It would be people who want independence, who would participate in it. And a lot of people would participate participate in it, on the independent side to fuck over Boris Johnson I mean, that, that's, that's how I would uh, view it so Scotland is clearly a headache for the government but it's clearly something that the Labour movement has lost big time Northern Ireland, Sinn Féin lost a little but clearly the ground is there to go for a unification referendum in Ireland so the constitutional question isn't over is the crisis in the Tory party over? Um, I think so I think those that thought the referendum would split the Tory party uh, (laughs) irrevocably, no, uh, it hasn't. The Tory party's got itself back together. It's reconfigured itself. Um, Shares have gone up. The pound has gone up. People's Vote campaign is going to refocus. It's closing down. One would expect the other versions of it open Britain. Another Europe is possible. Uh, That issue is dead, in my view. Um, it's been lost you might get Brinno uh, but as a rallying call uh, I don't see uh, the AWLs uh, Britain should rejoin the uh, EU as having something with any traction it might be the principled position to be it might be an opportunist position to be but I don't see it as being the answer anyway I'm not going to go on about anything else I've gone on far long
3: enough and that's it Okay, comrades. down the conventional wisdom for two minutes and he would need at least 20 minutes to say why the conventional wisdom is wrong before he could actually oppose the person he's talking to. More recently, they haven't even had <coughs> one at all. Now,
4: um, mm. uh. yeah, Where's my next
3: bit? Uh, looking at the results uh, in the Guardian under the colour coding sort of thing, it's remarkable all those uh, rural areas... I wonder what they're going to do with subsidies and so on. I I used to work for the Rural Payments Agency in Reading, I presume they'll probably keep paying the the money but then they're they're more interested in finance capital now, they're not particularly interested in farmers Uh, and a lot of people are going to be very disappointed I think. And Boris Johnson, of course, will probably want to get his water cannons back as well for the Extinction Rebellion. Um, (coughs) For working class voters, looking at that as well, the big towns and cities where working class voters were still there, you still had Labour MPs with 20,000-odd majorities. You still had uh, massive votes for Labour in certain areas including in the ones that went to the Conservatives. Um, I remember Ralph Miliband talking in uh, writing rather a long time ago now but about this solid Labour vote which seems to keep going election after election despite everything. However, uh, you see in France for instance where the, uh, uh, the Social Democrat votes <coughs> collapsed. Uh, where Alain said he wasn't going to be like Sarkozy, but he was, and then Alain uh, got thrashed in the next election, and about a lot of the old industrial areas were voting for uh, Le Pen, uh, and then of course you got the triumph of what would have been the Labour right with Macron, uh, because everybody said, oh, we don't want Le Pen, we'll have Macron, and they don't want him either. Um, Jess Phillips, she said in the (coughs) Observer Guardian, I've skimmed the Observer, there's so much crap in it, but uh, sorry that was one of the reasons for coming here of course, if you're especially if you're in the Labour Party, there's going to be a lot of bollocks over the next few months and so loading up with ammunition coming here isn't a bad idea. Uh, Of course, it doesn't happen very often, it would be ages before the next meeting and ages before the one after that, but still. Um, But she said about how she talks in the vernacular, she listens to working-class voters and so on and so on and so on and she said that's why the swing in my area to the Conservatives was so low. Well if you look at the Birmingham results, hers was the second largest swing from Labour's Conservative. Uh, The largest swing went Conservative But you had uh, people in that area, the the swing was like 2.1%, 3%, something like that. Hers was 6% odd, I think. The same sort of thing happened in Liverpool as well. Um, The the swing in a lot of the sort of hard labour, as it were, areas was quite small. Um, Another comment on what Jack was saying, I mean, he said about uh, Luciana Berger and co their career being over of course these people Chukaramama their career is just starting isn't it I mean they are be in uh, they'll be doing uh, PR and uh, back in the city and all the rest of it the old revolving door they did their best they went down fighting a uh, like, bit like Tony Blair the multi-millionaire yeah. now I mean they might, might not preat those heights but uh, that'll do yeah they thank you
5: Peter, followed by Pam. Well, just on that point, first of all, I mean, uh, Chuck Umunna <coughs> and all the rest of them. He, he was talking about their career in politics, obviously, yeah, wasn't yeah. you know. So yes, yeah, that's no doubt some of them will be able to make use of their their reputation, just oh, just like Tony Blair did, of course, I and mean, I mean, turn himself a fortune from because of his uh, once he left their politics. Please talking about specifically about that aspect of their career. Um, just a couple of points in. Uh, sorry, I've forgotten your name. Sorry. Uh, Turan. Pardon? Turan. Turan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when people talk about <coughs> this being the worst election result for Labour, they're talking specifically about the seats won, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yes, I mean in terms of percentage, you're right. It's not in terms of seats one yeah, overall. All, all share. And then yes. Or it bends; it can change because we've got first you know, past the post, post. And the... share mm. are not the
6: worst. Yes. Seats. Yes. So that that is endemic in the uh, first past the post. Yeah.
5: Okay. Yes. So that's the point about that. So it's legitimate to say, you know, what we have this uh, some undemocratic voting system in a sense, so first past the post, which doesn't accurately reflect. Uh, the overall situation in terms of uh, what people believe Um, yeah the other thing um, you talk about the manifesto not being radical once again it depends what you mean by radical if you use it in a comparative sense as once again John was doing then it was much more radical than well the Blair era and even the, the 2017 manifesto for the many not the few this was acclaimed by lots of people on the left look at this manifesto it's all real progress it's this fighting for socialism gosh and <laughs> it wasn't really <laughs> I know people on the labour right were actually saying uh, no I can live with this this is in line with uh, European social democracy you know so but in contrast to that, it definitely moved more to the left in terms of well, bourgeois politics. So yes, it was more radical. You know, you look at the uh, the, the proposals for nationalisation, the uh, the specific mention of the working class trade, the, the the force for good that are trade unions, and some phrases like that that came throughout it. You know, okay, so so in that sense of course you can say there was a distinct improvement over for many not a few Um, yes yeah just on anti-semitism John was talking about the the actual percentage of members that are anti-semitic I think it's quite interesting that you know, there's been two reports put out by the Labour Party uh, by office by Jenny Formby. One was back in February, and one was in July. They actually put out the statistics of the number of people accused of anti-Semitism, and then said, here here actually what what we found." And uh, they hardly got any coverage. This report, unsurprisingly, because it it actually did show it was a tiny percentage. I mean, for a, just from memory, the July report there were 1,400 people reported a Labour HQ but then uh, more than half of them weren't even Labour members, which is really a very very strange thing, it tells you a lot about people making the complaints I think and then uh, of the actual Labour members almost half of them just had no case to answer whatsoever, no evidence of anti-Semitism against them, yet these people have been reported to HQ and about 130 people from memory were issued with a warning which just said, please be careful of the, you know, certain, using certain words and phrases because, you know, it can be misinterpreted. That, that kind of warning. <coughs> and then it was actually, uh, I think it was 13 people were found to be anti-Semitic. And these were, you know, they're not activists, are they? They're not people that you see in CLB meetings. They're actually, uh, you know... <laughs> Just some weirdos amongst the the 200,000 new members who, who flooded in. You know, it's just so that's the real extent of uh, anti-Semitism. And I think you know the campaign, I think, typical of the uh, of of the witch hunt, was uh, or the most significant in a way was uh, targeting Chris Williamson. What did he say? All he did was make very, very mild <laughs> yes. criticism of like the leadership and the handling of the business. That's all. I think we've been too apologetic, you know, over this question. I mean, it's, and then he's, he's accused of being an anti-Semite himself <coughs> or at least accommodating to anti, anti, anti-Semitism. It's like when um, the independent, the Rockets, they split off to form the uh, the, the independent group. What did John McDonnell say then? He said, "Oh, his example of it being too apologetic. Uh, oh, very sorry uh, about that. They're going. You know, we have to really have to do more <laughs> to keep these people in." That's an a, a <coughs> example. Of, <laughs> a nice example of being too apologetic, isn't it? You should not been saying bloody good riddance to them. Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, if anyone uh, today, uh,
5: um,
4: okay. I don't read um, Russia today, but uh, it came into my box somehow, and um, the headline is Destroyed by Appeasing His Enemies, the Shakespearean Tragedy of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, And I think that's true. I think uh, I agree with John that The 2017 Brexit, when the Labour vote really increased and everyone was surprised, was because we were ambiguous on uh, Brexit. But then uh, Corbyn gave in to this pressure to hold a second referendum with Remain on the ballot. So in the North, what are people saying? Well, they're asking us to vote again. Like uh, the Ireland, they make the point that in, in Ireland they were asked to vote again and until they got the right results. So, of course, they felt Labour had abandoned them. Right, okay, so on to anti Semitism. Um, I think it was just yes- uh, yeah, there was a report again uh, yesterday or today. Um, on December the 10th, um, Trump had uh, held a rally, and anyway, this week. Uh, he had pledged to have more rules against anti-Semitism on campuses in America. So we know about the campaign against the Palestinians. This, in my opinion, is the way they're going to try and get the left. Um, and in other words, they're going to intensify this anti-Semitism campaign. And people, you know, when you have to read about it and... Uh, and be prepared for it. And um, I, I think this, we have to be bold. These, as comrades are saying, apologetics and appeasement won't win us a socialist
7: vote.
8: Okay, jury, follow my film.
7: Okay, uh, well, what, what was the difference between <coughs> the, the 2017 uh, election results and the 2019? Mm. Uh, ba- basically, Uh, In 2017, uh, it's it's just a a year after the the referendum, in the the referendum the the Northern working class, the South Wales working class, voted uh, voted Brexit. Uh, And I think you have to say quite frankly that, that, that that was a right wing vote. They had moved to the right, they were blaming immigrants for their problems, they were convinced by Nigel Farage, uh, uh, and and uh, the the rest of the propaganda, uh, and and they, they they swung right. Now, why then did uh, they swing back again in two thousand and seventeen? And some of them returned to Labour. Well, some of them returned to Labour because the, the the Labour manifesto was seen as much more radical than than Ed Miliband's uh, uh, manifesto, which was seen as a turn to the right. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn himself was far more militant. Uh, I don't know if you followed him uh, at the time if you went to any of the rallies. He he made great inspiring speeches. Uh, He he was able to rally the the masses. And also there was that hope that he would fight uh, austerity uh, and the austerity that that was cutting through in the local councils and everywhere else. He he had given hope. But uh, two years later... Uh, as people have, have, have pointed out uh, he cuts a uh, uh, utterly pusillanimous, uh, uninspiring character he has spent the previous two years apologising for his uh, very existence saying oh please, please forgive me, forgive me and he's in, in apologising for the anti-semitism he's admitted that, that that his enemies are right he's given them the whole He's given the given the the ground of the the whole the whole thing now, in in, in uh, opinion polls that have come out, uh, why did the the, the, the the switch? Why did they vote Tory? Forty three percent give it give as as Corbyn's leadership, seventeen percent because of Brexit and twelve percent because of the of the economy. So so you you, 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 you have a situation that the working class. Has lost faith in its own leadership. In order to win back those vo- those voters in the, in the north of England and South Wales and, and places, it, you had to uh, actually blame the capitalist system itself uh, and not other workers. As soon as you, you 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 gave that 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 view to the to the to the to the whole um, of your of your supporters, the whole of the working class. That that that's uh, the problem, or was actually other workers and and the the, the 2017 conference <coughs> was a disaster, in in, in, in that sense, Corbyn acted at that conference very much like uh, Tony Blair acted. He used the trade union bureaucracy uh, to crush the, the the movement from his own supporters in the in the constituency Labour parties on issue after issue, uh, and therefore. You have to say that at this point uh, Corbin was seeing that he had more to fear from his own base of support than from the from the from the from the, 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 the capitalist establishment itself he was appeasing the capitalist establishment he let uh, uh, jackie Walker the, the Tony green gold uh, everybody that that uh, that that had uh, being his his strongest supporters he allowed them to be 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 expelled and victimized, uh, and and he grovelled to 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 his his bitterest enemies to to to, to Watson, uh, and the rest of them, and he, he appeased them. Uh, the only uh, conclusion that that you could draw from that was was that that Corbin was a man of straw. He was not going to lead anybody anywhere, uh, and uh, of course, by the time he got elected. What then would happen, of course, if he did get elected by Flu, the whole of the capitalist establishment would come after him and he'd come even worse. He would be he would apologise for his very existence. So you know he in the whole period there was only two brief periods that he he, he, he rallied at all. At that uh, twenty seventeen, wasn't it, the fourth the, the of September in EC where he did attempt to make some kind of an opposition to the I H R A, but but he abandoned that. Mm-hmm. When when Landsman and and the trade union bureaucracy told them to keep his place, he kept his place. And then the thing about not apologising for three times uh, over uh, again, he, he he made the apology. And and therefore he cut in in, in those interviews and everything. He cut such a sorry uh, uh, apologetic figure that, that, that everybody says this man is going to lead us nowhere and, and now you have the situation it is a right wing racist vote uh, in, in the north of England this, and, and in south Wales where, where those, and, and you have to say but it's not a, a right wing racist vote that's going to, to, to remain there forever because the working class has moved you know, backward workers, that they have motives. Had they been given a strong leadership, they could have swung <coughs> the other way, uh, uh, and and they're not lost to the <coughs> cause forever. But but uh, you you do have to say that that uh, unless there's some type of a leadership comes forward that that's able to do. Uh, project a bit more militancy. Well, okay, reformers, the reformers, reformers will always do that, but Jesus, did you have to do so bad? You'd you, you have to say, you have people in, in France like Melanchthon and all that, you know, Stalinist and all that. He, 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 he's a bit pugnacious, isn't he? He's a, he's a bit of a fighter. So, so, you know, he, he's he's able to draw somebody towards him. So, so, I, I, my my analysis is that that uh, the, the council cuts have gone through, and there's no opposition to the council cuts cuts going through. Uh, that's affecting the, the the base of the of, of the working class itself. Uh, the big element of hope, of course, is actually the French working class. The French working class kicked off the the the, the big yellow vests over a year ago, uh, they've, they're back to the uh, back to the forefront again now and they're back to the forefront where there's a, a, a global uh, upsurge of, of, of the poor and oppressed from right from the Middle <coughs> East to, 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 to Latin America, Haiti uh, and, and you, you can say that well of course they can't defeat imperialism in, in, in these peripheral countries but they can do it in the major metropolitan countries and that's where the hope is and when you see a big metropolitan country like France uh, in serious class struggle that gives the hope to the world hmm. thanks so, Gerry Phil and then me well,
1: I was going to say much of what Jerry has uh, said So, uh, uh, about the weakness of uh, Corbyn and uh, the, the other thing I was going to make a point, all the lies that were told of them, people didn't have to believe those lies, they chose to and I chose to because he's a man of straw. Uh, he was, uh, went with the right because they're the majority. He's a man, he's married to the Labour Party. And he's like a good Catholic. He would sooner be in a bad marriage than go through a good divorce. He can't be used by the working class, however much we might want to do it, and however much we might find times when we have to defend a bugger. But he's useless. Um, so the, the, the real thing, again, was to take uh, Jerry's position on you've got to talk about capitalism a bit further. The real problem is, I mean, I don't altogether agree with Jerry on the subject of the Labour people in the movement objecting to cheap Labour. They're objecting to cheap Labour because it really exists and it really is making their lives worse. And something should be done about it. Brexit isn't the answer. The answer, insofar as there is an answer under capitalism, to cheap labour, is strong trade unions. And where, I, where is the Labour Party fighting for strong trade unions? Smash all the anti-trade union laws, get rid of them completely. That's one thing they should have been arguing for. Then you can win these people back to the Labour Party but they're quite right to say that the European Union is not in their interests it isn't in their interests and it isn't in our interests but again Brexit isn't the answer. The problem of the capitalist class is they've got an international catastrophe on the world. Uh, Everywhere you look there are problems. Uh, It can only be dealt with internationally. The USA The EU, China, they could get together, couldn't they? They could solve the problem. Well, if they can, they're not doing it, and they don't show any signs of being able to do it. So the answer is, you've got to say, well, if capitalism can't solve this problem, well, we'll have to do it without capitalism. They're going to have to make some commitment to, not socialism now, but a way of getting to it. And to get socialism, if you can't have socialism in one country, you've got to say, all right, we'll get rid of the EU. We're we're an international class. That's one thing the Labour Party doesn't think the working class is. It doesn't think it's an international class. It thinks it lives in the north of England. Uh, (laughs) And a bit of a nuisance. Uh, But it's an international class. To be an international class, you've got to start off by taking Europe. Everybody is fed up of the European Union. Nobody likes it. They're trying to get votes for the European Union in Poland or in Romania. All these people are being crucified by the European Union. Why can't we get rid of that? And if you start addressing the real problems that the world is facing and the real answers to those, then the Labour Party can go somewhere. But they've got to get rid of the and if the right throws out it might be a good thing people might then start being prepared to tell the truth that's what Jeremy Corbyn is prepared to do because it would upset the <coughs> Labour right wing He shut up and most of the Labour party is shut up because they want to appease the right wing and they want to maintain unity Well, um, uh,
8: was a few words from me then um, just a correction on it. Was not seventy-two; it was one hundred and seventy-two. The rebels. You we know, the oh, right, uh, the no confidence Wait. vote in court. Oh. It was a big majority of I don't know how many Labour MPs there were, but it's <coughs> like 40, forty. of them didn't sign no confidence. But one hundred and seventy-two, wasn't it? Um, and uh, so that was that. Um, the uh, but I, I you know I like your main point. It was main point was saying that the turning point was the acceptance of the referendum when when the referendum's announced, you know, then Labour then jumps into the hole and says, well, we respect the the result of the referendum, and uh, that's the problem. We said at the time uh, that the referendum was a sham and that you shouldn't support either side. So, you know, boycott and active boycott to campaign against the referendum is rubbish and not line up the working class behind If Labour had adopted that view, it would be a very different situation. So they've been in prison with it afterwards, haven't they? That, that having said that, you know, we accept it, then everything follows downhill from there. So the referendum, you've got, I mean, you see these Tories, Tory MPs talking on TV, you know, referendum is the epitome of democracy. And they, these people don't know what democracy means, you know, and they are standing up for it in that form. They stand up for the referendum. And it just means that's what they, they know, that they've got a, a nail in the, in the um, coffin of the working class, if you like, uh, or something like that. Um, one of the things that's happened is, you know, become very clear uh, that, that it's no use saying now that once the, you know, once Corbyn's gone, the anti Semitism campaign will end, right? It obviously will not. Be it obviously won't, you know. But people were saying that. We were thinking that a little while ago. Um, it's obviously aimed at Corbyn, but they've made it into a very good weapon, and they're going to carry on with it and export it to the United States, as uh, as Pam explained. You know, um, it's not going to stop. No. Um, and I wanted to say a few things, just a brief <coughs> note on the uh, LRC yesterday. I went to the uh, members' meeting of the Labour Representation Committee. Uh, I know it's in London, but we did have. We did have somebody come from the uh, Red Wall, having done some canvassing up there and telling us uh, about the voters up there. But uh, so it wasn't just London. Um, but uh, m- you know all sorts of views around the room. But uh, nothing spectacular, to be honest. Um, and of course they don't <coughs> recognise the point. You know that they, Brexit is supposed to be the main problem. Brexit, okay, and the anti-Semitism thing, but. Brexit was the, uh, the key reason for um, for the loss, according to Mick uh, Brooks. Mick Brooks was a political secretary of LRC, <coughs> and uh, he's way above average for them, you know. Uh, but um, <laughs> nevertheless, so he says Brexit has uh, split the working class. They don't have a line on, you know, or an understanding that the referendums are bad news in general. They don't have that. Nobody said that, you know. Um, so Brexit is the reason um, uh, but proxy explains to us that uh, a third of the working class um, always vote Tory, right? So in other words the existence of a big working class Tory vote in itself is not new <coughs> after all what is the Tory, Tory party made of you know, the only reason there is a, a, a Tory party with a rank and file membership in the working class is because the Labour party's got a Rank and file membership in the working class. You know, it's a, it's a response, isn't it? Um, but then he says, um, a third of the 2016 leavers were Labour voters. So <coughs> fair enough. That just illustrates the point, doesn't it? Having got the referendum, there, you've got the division in the working class. Um, and the northern, uh, the, the the northern uh, areas, the industry has gone, and the class consciousness. Um, Organisation has gone with it. Um, okay, so it's a different working class up there. And people, uh, the northern working class, misunderstand, right? They're not doing what Tony Greenstein says and said they're bloody stupid, but uh, <coughs> they misunderstand and um, uh, they think that, you know, it was the, they presumably think it was the EU and not the Tories who did <coughs> the deindustrialisation de- and. Ruined their uh, their community. Hmm. You know, the Tories did it. They think the EU did it um, somehow. Um, and the funniest argument: Did we? We, he says, you know, we as the uh, Labour Party or the Labour leadership, because that's us. Then uh, that's how Mick Brook, Brooks puts it. You know, did we offer too many policies? Did we offer too much? Uh, were there too many policies too quickly coming out like rabbits out of a hut? you know, how can, how can the voters keep up? Um, that's, that's what he has to be said, yeah, which is a funny one. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I, I was able to say the, point out that the coup was, the momentum coup by Landsman was backed by Corbyn, Macdonald, Diane Abbott, and Mike Phipps said, no, no, untrue, untrue, So he right? so don't believe that, so there's a, you know, there's a division there, but um, uh, and um, <coughs> punchline: uh, transforming the party is more important for me. Transforming the party is more important than the boats. And there's Graham Bashley, there? yeah. head in hand, you know, covering his eyes, so he can't bear to hear that one. And that's what they've got. You know, that's that's how right-wing Labour uh, controls the left. They say we've got to win votes, so why don't you shut up? And that's what the left. Labourites say as well you know they they think they don't they can't bear the argument that we need to <coughs> change the party and um right. and uh, that winning elections is not the answer and what's the use of winning an election when I mean, you've got a right-wing party leadership you know party policies so obviously the important thing is to change it and then we can win if you've got a left-wing if you've got a socialist labor party Point forward, a Marxist programme, you can start the job of winning the working class to it. Um, That's it, yeah, okay. Um, I've got uh, Simpson.
9: What about me? Yeah, you
8: can come next. Simpson,
1: (laughs) first. (coughs) Yes,
10: Yes, my um, issue is following Turan's comprehensive analysis. In the experience of those sitting here and all <coughs> the academics and intellectuals among us, do we believe that this election we just had was fair and realistic in terms of the end result? I have disgraced feeling that the North-South divide, SNP, Northern Ireland, and the Labour left, as mentioned by the speaker, was a kind of a smokescreen as well as it was in terms of the anti-Semitic euphoria, which, reading the press and <coughs> mass media, we are led to believe is only the Labour Party. Of all the parties in the world, so, It's only label that happens to be anti Semitic. How could this be? Okay, we do not have to answer this straight away. Well, in my limited experience of British racism, (coughs) Semitism seems to be the only aspect of racism that happens to be talked about, discussed analyze, whereas racism will always be a major issue in Western Europe, yes. Eastern Europe, Northern Europe, Southern Europe, Central Europe, wherever. The other issue regarding apologies, the North-South divide in Britain was not, it, this, this didn't just happen because of economies or some kind of accidental <coughs> of, of factories closing, mines <coughs> shutting. This has gone on for 40, nearly half a century of distressed states. The divide was always there. What I need to understand in terms of radical agendas, economy versus identity, do humans really matter? Misery, stress, anxiety, at what cost? Not monetary, but social, human. Both have been left out of all the paraphernalia of television, radio, newspapers in the past two and a half months before this dreadful palaver called an election took place. <coughs> now we have a distressed state. There will be trouble ahead without a doubt, and I'm not in... How? Oh in your experience can the left inspire
8: hope? Um, either.
9: Yeah. <coughs> well, John. well I live in a de-industrialised borough and I can remember the pride that people used to have in doing productive work for a good wage and it's no great shakes the fact that our boroughs did. We're north of the city, uh, there's plenty of construction to be done in the city and the so-called city fringe, there's plenty of catering to be done and the entry area has been gentrified by the um, people moving in like said, middle class people, people who've lived off surplus value all their lives and done pretty well out of it. But you move up to these damn de-industrialized places in the north and the centre of England and they're bloody awful places. You see where the factory used to be, where the pit used to be, where this that and other used to be. It's damned awful places to live in. And then they offer a referendum. And the three main parties all agree we should remain in The EU. Well, if somebody was angry, and I'd be angry if I lived up in one of these bloody uh, dismal holes, that's. If they want it, they don't. These parties want it, I don't want it. And there, they gave the establishment a shock by voting to come out. They didn't believe it, you know. Fancy, 52% want to come out despite the recognized political authorities saying stop in. Back in 1975 what the recognized political authorities did or recommended was what you did. They voted for the status quo because people were happy (coughs) then by comparison with what they are now. Now, the reason the industry's gone is quite simple. That people out in the poor countries are quite as intelligent as we are, but they're willing to work for less pay. It's not uh, Einstein mathematics that isn't. That's what. That's the reason it happened, and it's difficult to see a way around that one. But. What you won't see round it is having 600,000 idiots joining and clapping uh, Corbyn. You, we don't need a lot of bloody idiots around. Let Corbyn keep his idiots. What we need are Marxists. And I don't mean uh, what, uh, what's in the Grundrisse or something like that. Simply the law of value dialectical materialism and the role of the state and quite frankly the so-called Marxists have simply signed on the dotted line to get into a Marxist organisation and are quite frankly pig ignorant about that but we've got to improve the quality of the Marxists before we can start giving answers and therefore they should
4: read the Grundrisse
8: I'll bring in two or more
4: to at end I
6: just want to make a few points here. we we, we talk about the de-industrialisation of the North, and, and really that, that feeds into uh, what John was going on about, a redefinition of the working class.
0: Reconfiguration, I say. Oh, reconfiguration, yeah. sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah.
6: But I, I think we need to look at perhaps maybe a redefinition, because 30% uh, in 1970, there was 30% of the UK had manufacturing basics now gone down to 9%. So we've got an atomised working class, they're in a uh, sort of gig economy, uh, 0 hour contracts, uh, all sorts of things going on. Um, and when we talk about anti-Semitism, I had a go at John Mann last night on Twitter simply because he's boasting about this election defeat. And he's openly saying on Twitter that he's going to go after the left. Mm, yeah, right. So be, uh, right. So be prepared for that. Um, on anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anti-Semitism. Yeah. He he thinks it's the left, and he's going yeah. after him. He's openly said it. Um, now the other thing is about the referendum, and it was seen as a rage against the elite. Well, we've got the same elite: Jacob Rees-Mogg, Farage, et al saying that. They're against the Islington elite and that they represent the, the common man. Um, uh, this, this is just dog whistling, and, and, and people are actually falling for this. And I agree with the comrades about Marxists. I mean, I consider myself a Marxist, I'm in the Labour Party. The idea is that we try to um, educate people in there as to where the Labour Party falls flat and in fact this probably reinforces our argument in there Uh, and it's a form of entryism whether it works or not is another story but if I'm there in the right place and I can sort of try and gel discussion then fine, if I get kicked out I'll just go somewhere else where I'm wanted the crystallisation of the young so getting back to the working class I I think uh, we saw the demographic with uh, the Labour vote and the crystallisation of the young leaning towards the left, I think where this actually comes is not through industrialised, uh, unionised, working class action, but as we've discussed previously, I think it's going to come through climate change. And that's what I'm for. So regardless of whether uh, the bourgeoisie give up, uh, don't give up, and the Labour Party doesn't uh, make inroads,
8: is, it may come for a different route thank you John it's, uh, it's Lord John Man now isn't it Bassett Law he's is not it? the MP for Bass- Bassett Law anymore oh, John, he's been promoted to the Lords and he's the anti-Semitism czar Seven. of the government
0: whose job is to get the left John
1: yeah.
0: um yeah <coughs> First of all, just to emphasize, I don't think that it's just Brexit, and I don't think it's just um, beginning with uh, the acceptance of um, the Brexit vote. I I think what I was trying to point to fundamentally as the problem is the idea of a Labour government being the crucial question. Uh, I think that is the question. In other words, subordinate everything to the struggle to get the next Labour government. And I think that that shapes the Labour left, ultimately. Uh, It's what gives realism uh, to the Labour right. And this is really what I'm trying to get over in terms of what Gerry is saying. I mean, I readily accept that we Marxists should fight against capitalism. (coughs) But what I'm saying is that if if your solution to Jeremy Corbyn, if only you fought against capitalism, everything would have gone well. No, because what you end up with is 5% of the vote. You don't end up with 55% of the vote. You've got to begin where you are. And in that sense, you know, one Jeremy Corbyn ain't going to listen to your advice or my advice. And actually, in electoralist terms, in terms of realising the next Labour government, your advice and my advice is shit. So, Jeremy, fight anti-Semitism. (coughs) That will get you elected, won't it? No, it won't, right? It will precisely... Uh, there's the hornet's nest and if we think that we've seen something bad so far look what will come so this is really what I'm trying to say that I don't think there's I I don't think our job is to give uh, Labourite advice to Labourites right? I, I think that's futile that if only the Labour Party did this then it wouldn't have lost the vote in the North if only it had done that then it wouldn't <coughs> have been this, this to me is not not the case what we've got is a left Labour leader And the chances of that left Labour winning was extremely small to the point of being freakish. Something freaky had to happen, right, like the Brexit party splitting the Tory vote, right? Mm -hmm. Something weird, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was very, very unlikely. So if it did happen, then what happens is the shit hits the fan, right? and then you're you're into basically civil war territory with the working class not having a clue, not having any arms, not having any program, not having any expectations. And the idea of comrades like Jerry is that through the learning, somehow they um, get to the right idea. Well, tell the population of Chile or, you know, I've never seen that. (laughs) No, I've never seen that as an example, right? People don't learn positive, uh, you know, lessons from being crushed under the Iron Hill. They're just crushed under the Iron Hill and they despair. That's usually the situation. So I don't think you've learned anything, Joey. You know, you're looking at France because they're out on the streets. What's happened to the French left over the last hundred years? Well, we began with mass social democracy. Okay, the questionable sort, it supported the war. The majority of the delegates supported the formation of the Communist Party. But it was mass. You know, we had hundreds of thousands of members in these organisations. How many have we got now? The, so- the French Socialist Party, I don't know whether it's called the section of the Socialist International, <coughs> is a shell of its former self and its bourgeois. What about the French Communist Party? A shell of its former self that l- l- keeps its paper going because it gets a government subsidy. And what about its replacements? I mean, just little fragments, little sects. So, okay, they're out on the streets. What do you think will happen? How on earth does a demonstration and a strike that's leaderless in terms of a revolutionary leadership that's been trained over a decade or two, how does that lead to the overthrow of capitalism? It does not lead to the overthrow of capitalism. This is just nonsense. So look at France and learn The yellow vest, well, God help us. This is not going to produce you the solution, right? So, okay. Um, blaming the media. Well, okay, it's just bl- like blaming the, the, the fact there's 24 hours in, in the day to me. I mean, seriously, th- what do you expect from the bourgeois media? Mm-hmm. They defend the bourgeoisie. Well, how about that? The BBC, de- you know, isn't, isn't unbiased. Well, what about that? I mean, sorry. Um, do we really expect it? No, the, the, we have to come up with an answer, and it's called a working-class press. Rather than complaining about their press attacking us, why haven't we got a press? Why, have, why, why, when there's half a million Labour Party members, hasn't some of that money being used for a paper for journalists, for TV stations, for intelligent commentary, for education? That, that's the way we should answer it. So I agree with you about the uh, BBC bloody bias. But when hasn't the BBC been biased? When have they run a fair campaign with a Labour leftist? I mean, it's just, it's never, ever, ever going to happen. So we might as well forget that we can complain about it, but the, the question is coming up with an answer. Um, <coughs> the problem I have with what Peter's saying, I mean, okay, so Jenny Formby and the Labour Party bureaucracy discovered X cases of anti-Semitism. Well, The problem is anti Semitism in front of our very eyes is being redefined. So the problem I've got with people like you know, when we had the argument in law, Labour Against the Witch Hunt, we had an argument which dictionary to use (laughs) Webster, Marion or something like that, or the Oxford or The problem is that next the next edition of the Oxford Dictionary can redefine anti Semitism. That's what that's the world we're in. I thought the remarks about John Mann were very, very well made, because precisely John Mann isn't just some ex-Labour MP, he's the Tory anti-Semitism czar. He's the one that's going to be saying, hey, we want legislation on this question. Also the remarks about Trump, I think, were very well made. We've got to clamp down on this anti-Semitism. What do they mean by anti-Semitism? I'm I'm in favour of getting rid of Israel as a Zionist state. You're an anti-Semite. Is, is that what Jenny form be found? Is that offensive language? I suspect it is. Actually, what they uh, uh, find, I don't know, but that's what I'm suspecting. So I don't even go by their statistics as being valid. And even if they were, well, then educate them, right? What's I mean? Are people dirty because they got wrong ideas? We've all got wrong uh, uh, ideas. Um, yeah. Uh, what Stan was saying again, Stan? Look, uh, other comrades already said uh, the, the success they've had against Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, they'll learn from that, and they're obviously applying it to Bernie Sanders. But this goes back, and other comrades have said. Like, one comment, I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was Pam. But '67, if you want a date, to the new anti-Semitism. It was a uh, noticeable fact that in America, which matters to Israel, right? Strategically, It can't survive without an imperial sponsor. Right? In the United States, young Jews were ceasing to closely identify with the Israeli Zionist project. And then they begin this new anti-Semitism. It doesn't begin with uh, Bernie Sanders. doesn't begin with Jeremy uh, Corbyn. Uh, this is something uh, that predates it. Right? And will it carry on? Of course it will carry on. It's not going to be exported to the United States. It was exported from the United States. Right? From uh, the, You could even see that in the Al Jazeera uh, lobby uh, film. They get their uh, right-wingers over here uh, talking to uh, the uh, Jewish Labour movement and Labour Friends of Israel and all the rest of it. Um, I went along with more or less everything I ever said uh, in terms of the North, I think that's absolutely right. I think that people did give the establishment a kicking. For good reasons and bad reasons, they were alienated. And uh, this is the way they've hit back. Um, I wouldn't describe them all as racist. I, I think, that, again, that's... I mean, if you take most British people, they've got a national chauvinist outlook. And they regard that as nas- uh, natural. And therefore, I could say that 99%, um, including of the left, would say us. In terms of Britain, Us. Right, well that's a national chauvinist uh, thing, ok so we've all got national chauvinism, you know in our bones we are brought up with it, am I going to condemn people and go around moralising um, I don't think that's you know, I don't think that's worth it um, but yeah when you then get either, on, I mean I agree with you on all of that uh, and the north is being de-industrialised and it's a shit place to live in general or whatever um, yeah absolutely uh, but then the Idiots in the Labour Party. Well, the problem I've got with that either is that the Communist Party, when it was formed, right, was integral to the Labour Party and the Labour bureaucracy took about a decade at least to get rid of <coughs> us and others like us. right. And uh, I don't th- see any reason why we should do the Labour bureaucracy a favour by walking That's the first point. In the same way that you would remember communists being barred from holding office in the Transport and General Workers' Union, which is now UNITE. Mm. I mean, should we say, well, until uh, we're proper Marxists, we shouldn't be members of uh, UNITE. Well, to me, that would be daft. Uh, I I can't see why you can't struggle to become a real Marxist into educating yourself and actually engage in the class struggle. I, I, I see no... Indeed, I would say that a Marxist who says we shouldn't touch the Labour Party, shouldn't touch Unite, shouldn't touch the TNG, shouldn't touch the ETPU, well, they're not a Marxist, because what they are is they're an elitist. You've got got to learn from the working class. So we've got things to teach, but we've also got things to learn. And I would say we've got a lot to learn, because we've been isolated from the class, you know, so joining the Labour Party is not to sac- some, for some people it's to sacrifice their Marxism, but it doesn't need to be it's not automatic um, so I, I don't agree with you, I don't think people who joined the Labour Party are idiots, some of them are some of them are very clever and they've done the right thing um, just lastly uh, I, I Turan, I wouldn't use the term I know other comrades <coughs> would, and there, there's good reasons for them to do so, I wouldn't use the term entrism if, if, if your perspective if your perspective is to go in with a, a dozen of you and then come out with two dozen of you, that's entrism to me. And, OK, great. So you end up with two dozen, and then you split twice, and then you split three times, and then you decide to go back in the Labour Party and the six of you, and you, OK, carry on. I mean, I've got no...
6: Well,
0: to me, that's entrism. And I can see why Trotsky advocated it in the 30s. But I mean, to me, it's like, are you carrying out entrism? I don't know what union you're in, I'm just going to make it up. But say you're in unison. I'm entries into unison. No, you've got a job. That's the union. All your other workmates are in unison. I've joined it. There's the Labour Party. It's got half a million members, right? It's a federal party. We can fight to change it. I've joined it. I mean, if they kick you out, do you abandon that perspective? I would say you shouldn't abandon that perspective. I'm for the democratisation of the trade unions. Oh, they kicked me out. Oh, I've abandoned the democratisation of the trade unions. Oh, no. So I wouldn't personally use that term. I know what you mean, but I... Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I said it in the
6: wrong context. OK, fair
0: enough, fair enough. And just lastly, OK, climate change. Well, climate change can come round and bite us in the bottom. Uh, the idea that there's only a left-wing solution to it, there's only an anti capitalist solution to it. That's like looking at unemployment. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I know what you mean, it is a problem, the left needs answers to it. But if I said to you, as I once believed, that if unemployment goes up to a quarter of a million, there will be a revolution in Britain, okay. and as I watched the, the. Because that's what they said! Yeah. I was a child of the 50s, full employment, it's, You know, Keynesianism, um, it's going to be the leisure society. We don't live under capitalism anymore. You think we live under capitalism? Ha 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 ha! Don't you know anything? What are we going to do with all that? What are we going to do with all the leisure time? And then unemployment starts to creep up. And I'm going, well, this isn't bad, is it? Because when we get to quarter million, it's going to be an explosion. Well, there wasn't, and it went up to half a million, and there was no explosion. And up to three million, and there wasn't an explosion. And even if there is an explosion, so what? Its direction. Well, exactly. And my point would be that, for example, um, um, in Western capitalism, the working class can either turn to labourism—that's not an answer—turn to communism, can also turn to fascism. And in terms of the Greens, we look at them historically. Right? The Greens have a fascist wing. So the founders of the modern Green Party in Britain began with the most fascistic, feudalistic elitist ideas. The Green Party, as presently constituted, is programmatically committed to reduce the population of Britain to 30 million. Who's mm. gonna ha- who, whose family is going to be limited? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Serious question, right? Uh, in terms of globally, uh, the Green Movement has included uh, people like Hitler, Hitler's uh, agricultural deputy uh, in Britain. Uh, Moseley's uh, agricultural expert who actually edited The Black Shirt was the founder of the Soil Association, so there's a dark <laughs> soil association, That's right. eco-agriculture, having dirt. right? So there's, a, there's the idea uh, that the greens are automatically fluffy and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm just warning, I'm just warning that the right can come up with their answers Uh, On climate change. They don't need not just to act. When they act, it can be of the most monstrous sort. And it can mean banning trade unions uh, because all workers agree that they want higher pay, which is anti ecological. They want their holidays in Spain. This can't be allowed. They want to live in nice houses, eat nice food. That can't be allowed. They want to have children only one is allowed etc. I'm not saying you're naive I'm not suggesting it that, <coughs> okay. John. I'm just I, trying to
6: yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm adding to what you're saying yeah, no, oh, I agree. so uh, just, I'm not really disagreeing like one, you're prompting yeah. what I'm saying um, so I'm sure you agree climate change isn't the answer A Marxist party, a communist party is the answer that can come up with answers on the climate change question, mm. that's how I would
6: uh, pose the question. I to John? Oh, oh, got flow, no, no, yeah, yeah. flow, flow
11: Yeah, flow. Flow. Um, <coughs> I was just reading in the Times. We got it to get all the results and all the rest of it, and there was um, they were talking about this um, get Brexit done. You know, bloody Boris going on like a parrot, and um, it was somebody called Isaac. Levittor,
2: Levittor, yeah, Levidor.
11: and he was a protege of Linton Crosby, an Australian, who masterminded Scott Morrison's victory in Australia this year. And he, you know, things keep saying this same slogan and don't have so many um, policies and all of this, you know, manifesto or whatever. Don't have <coughs> so much there. And um, it seemed, it sounds simple, but it seemed to sound. I think um, was it. Um, Must it Mussolini or no the other one who kept on saying? Goebbels. Goebbels said, if you say something enough times a lie, people will believe it. And um, Boris is similar to Trump because Boris keeps on saying "make Britain great," you know, and Trump says that. And who who they get that from? Hitler. <laughs> you know, so um, and the others thing is that I don't agree with John about the SNP. I think it was great news and they're entitled to, you know, if they want their um, separation, um, that's all to the good. It all helps to break up imperialism to
4: mm-hmm.
11: me. Oh, and also the other thing that um, Peter was saying about Corbyn with um, Chris Williams, and Corbyn could have really... Stuck up for him more. He didn't really stick up for him at all, did he? You know, no, uh, he Chris Williamson didn't, didn't say hardly <coughs> anything. It well, wasn't any, any anti-Semitism. He should have really stuck up. It was really bad that he, you know, he had to stand on his own like that and not get not get so many votes. Yeah,
6: solidarity uh, Just on the point of uh, the, gre- uh, the Greens and um, uh, um, the climate change. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not naive, I, I see uh, climate change as being the catalyst for some movement and I think the left need to be there to actually direct that because that might be the vehicle instead of the organised uh, unionised strikes and that sort of route because uh, we, we know union membership is low we know union activity is low uh, getting onto the right and the green agenda uh, you see an upsurge in Heidegger and his uh, sort of thing with the um, mythology of the forest and all this sort of green sort of ideology. And the right are actually looking and embracing some of Heidegger's uh, sort of philosophy. And we know what Heidegger was. Um, Regarding um, overpopulation, again, that's being used by the right. But I would say to that, that if you look at the global south and the global north, uh, the global north are the biggest polluters with less population, that is exploiting the bigger populations uh, in, in the world. And also when you get uh, inequality sort of, uh, um, sort of shrinks, if you like, they come out of poverty. They tend to be less populative anyway because they, uh, they don't have a pension, they don't have a welfare state. They tend to have bigger families as a means of actually supporting them. I'm not saying that's right, but that's how it tends to work. So, uh, again, it is a right narrative uh, about overpopulation. And I'll take on board everything that John said about the Greens. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, um, we're
8: supposed to go on to the Jewish question, but I uh, could carry on. Well, no, we, I think we should carry on with this after. <coughs> and see where it leads. Um, okay. and, and we can do that after um, If that's all right.
2: Uh, Ginny. Ginny, that's Yeah, right. no, I, I just, maybe I'm missing something, but could you <coughs> set up a discussion or at least elaborate further, and you say quite passionately, we need to set up a working class press. Okay, what do you mean how, when, where, with what, uh, under what, in what context, under what offices, well, you know. Um, that's it. Yeah,
1: Phil? Yeah, the subject of uh, capitalism uh, uh, solving the global warming problem, I think it's unlikely because their uh, interest is in uh, uh, production, production, production. And uh, some of the things that they do are so insane. I mean, we've got a large number of population in Brighton who come to London to work every day of the week. Why can't they work in Brighton? It's just a question of moving the offices to Brighton. Um, why can't people have their office at the end of their street where they were? They used to be in the old days when mm. they hadn't got public transport. You walked down the street and your factory was at the end of it. Yeah, it was exactly. of course blenching out great smoke and polluting the atmosphere. But nowadays... Uh, What's wrong with a policy in which everybody lives somewhere where they can walk to work? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, (coughs) it's, it's within the limits of capitalism and to do it. I don't expect them to do it because it affects property prices. And you're seeing this degeneration of capitalism as to where they're more and more dependent on not really productive of matters but I was going to read about the Roman Empire but dear, we'll miss that tonight um, they're interested in the movement of money backwards and forwards it's usury that is beginning to take over the capitalist system and uh, you just can't see it coming up with solution and even if it did start to solve one problem well it's created so many other problems it's filling the ocean with plastic bags, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, if they can't kill it one way, they'll kill us another. So it's not uh, just that, uh, you know, global warming isn't the only problem that capitalism isn't trying to solve.
4: Okay, Pam? <coughs> um, you have a couple of points. I, w- uh, I would assume that with the tour with after the nature of this election, <coughs> It will have raised expectations amongst <coughs> workers. And therefore, should we expect more fight back when these expectations are not um, realised? I mean, I would imagine that in the initial phase, the Tories won't go hell for attacking, but that, that they will. And that <coughs> you, we should, I would think we should expect uh, more uh, fight back by the working class, which gives us more opportunity. Secondly, on climate change. Um, I think this can be a really important way of bringing back a left perspective, because how can you expect climate change when BP, Texaco, all these massive you know, oil companies are, are trying to expand and um, uh, you know, get, get more money. And it's a, such a strong argument for nationalisation. And it's true that they have gone into um, renewables, uh, but they've still got to make a, a, a massive profit out of the existing oil fields, etc. And, and raising issues like North Sea oil, why, you know, we should be nationalising that. Otherwise, how can you possibly control climate change? And, and the land, of course. I mean, in Brazil... The burning down of the the, the, the forests because, uh, forest because of the the existing forests because of the spread of defore- deforestation and uh, the use of land for um, beef beef production. Um, so it's a big area for us to use. Okay. Finished. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
8: Jerry yeah.
7: and then. Uh um, I'm a bit devastated to, to, to learn that the French Revolution has been kicking off, yesterday. I, I was putting a great hope in that. But, but uh, the, the point I was making there was, was, when the yellow bus started a year ago, uh, it was a very uncoordinated thing, it was, a, it was a, 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 an elemental movement from the bottom. Uh, the reason there was the elemental movement from the bottom was that, that the organised working class, the organised bureaucracy of the of, of the of, of the working class, were so much bought into the into the system itself that they wouldn't do anything. So so, so the, 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 the the anger and the strength of the anger came came from the bottom. Uh, and, and it expressed itself in that way. There was a big uh, attempt by the far right, of course, <coughs> to take it over, and then the, 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 they were actually battered out of the ranks of the uh, of the yellow vests. And and the, the, the rising in France then went went from France to to to, to North Africa, uh, to, to to Algeria, and then we saw Sudan and, and 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 places like that. And then it has has reemerged now in in uh, in Iraq, in Iran. Uh, uh, in the Lebanon and, and in South America, uh, but I, I, as I said, you know, uh, semi-colonial countries uh, always feel that when, when the, 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 there's there's what you revolutionary upsurges, well, we can't solve the problems here because the problem is dom the, the world is dominated by, by, by uh, great imperialist powers. You you you. You cannot change it in, in, in one country, uh, you, 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 you really have to kill the monster at its head. And the, the, the head of the monster is in, in Britain, in the United States, in France, in the big imperialist countries. And That's it's when true. movement begins in those countries that that, that, that things can, can can really change. Um, just a few more points, the, the, the DUP in the north of Ireland lost 5.4%, Whereas Sinn Féin lost 6.7%. Uh, Sinn Féin lost 6.7% because as the, the, the prospect of a united Ireland uh, advances because of the, the uh, uh, problems within the unionist community, the, the big farmers and the, and the industrialists are going to lose, lose out heavily uh, for, for with Brexit. But, but uh, what, what Sinn Féin has done is, is, is Sinn Féin has indicated that it will uh, consider the, 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 the British Commonwealth again uh, and, in, and in considering the British Commonwealth it has shook the Queen's hand it has welcomed Prince Charles it has done all these things <coughs> and this goes down very badly with the Republican uh, community in the north of Ireland it, it actually goes down very badly in the south of Ireland people don't like the, the uh, uh, toadying to the Queen and, and, and indicating that you want to... to, to, to move back into into uh, the orbit of, of, of the British Commonwealth. Um, there is uh, a bit of hope in Ireland as well, as, as there always is. I, I did note that, that on the 7th of December in Finglas, uh, which is a big working class area in Dublin, a statue was uh, unveiled to, to, to Liam Mellows. Now, Liam Mellows is a sort of uh, iconic character in the, in the, in the history of the, uh, of, the of the the uh, War of Independence and the, and the and the Civil War, because he was the most internationalist Republican socialist. He, he's he made a speech on, on in January of of 1922, uh, which which c- called the "Fleshpots of Empire" speech, which specifically. Uh, condemned the British Empire for what it had done to the Egyptians what it had done all over the world it was the most monstrous institution and, and, and this was in the treaty debates uh, he was executed before the year was out <coughs> undoubtedly because he was, held, he, was uh, he was a prisoner and he was executed in retaliation which is of course a war crime but undoubtedly on the instructions of the British um, they had said look this is a dangerous man you've got to shoot him so they did so so that was the nature of the Civil War, but I, I, I take a bit of a bit of inspiration that, that, that uh, the, the Dublin working class has, has uh, recognized his importance. He certainly would have nothing have anything to do with the, the British monarchy or anything to do with Sinn Féin's current orientation. Hmm.
8: Thanks,
3: Jerry. Um Who said? Jim, said, okay. um, sorry. Oh. <coughs> On being able to walk to work, uh, I've long thought, or a little while ago, but uh, it'd be great if Bangladeshi women were able to say, if you want fast fashion, then make your own fucking t-shirt. And if uh, people in the Congo could say, if you want a f- new phone, mine your own fucking cobalt <coughs> And Amazon workers and others can say, if you want your stuff tomorrow... Come and get it, you lazy bastard! This is this would be great, I think. <coughs> uh, not going to happen under of capitalism. Of course. <laughs> uh, not under socialism either. either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on climate change, I mean, it, it's it's not just that the, uh, the, the the capitalist class need to keep making money and all the rest of it. They it's reported every now and then you know they are still subsidizing fossil discovery and all the rest of it by massive amounts and spending next to nothing on renewables and there was a thing in the Guardian a few weeks ago or a week or two ago about how the British aid is being used to fund fracking in Argentina Uh, on the press Um, It's often said and I think it's absolutely um, it's often said here I think it's absolutely right and the working class needs a press. It needs in localities and so on for people to be able to meet and discuss what's in their paper not social media and it in a way it's quite surprising that nothing has actually happened. I mean even uh, climate change, but you know, Extinction Rebellion, they haven't started up any local papers as far as I know, or anything, anything at all. Uh, I note that there are at least three of us here who are familiar with uh, how easy <laughs> it is to, to get a press going. <coughs> I think it was one of the ways that destroyed the Workers' Revolutionary Party, of, by uh, <coughs> having to... Day after day after day, uh, if you couldn't sell them, you had to pay for them anyway, sort of thing. I'll, but yeah, I, it's quite a ama- it's quite amazing in a way that spontaneously this hasn't happened. I mean it spontaneously, it's all on Facebook and WhatsApp and all the rest of it, isn't it? Which is not not adequate, not adequate. Mm. Mm. Thanks, uh, Jim. Um, John, over. Oh,
8: uh,
2: Jenny, come back down. Yeah, yeah uh, just this thing on, on the gilets jaunes. I mean, always, it all started when um, Macron wanted to do his bit for the environment and introduce a fuel tax,
4: yeah.
2: and people who had <laughs> been forced to live outside of Paris, you know, to move to rural areas, and, um, because they they couldn't afford um, to to live in in, in the cities. They um, suddenly had to pay a fuel tax, and their work. There were a lot of women involved in this. Um, care workers ha- just couldn't make ends meet because they they depended on their cars in order to 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 see their clients. Um, and this spread very very rapidly. And the latest strikes, there's been sort of joining together of the gilets jaunes with um, trade unions. I think this. You know, this isn't something that should just be dismissed. Um, and um, also what interests me about that is just this, what kind of possible solidarity connections can be made with, say, care workers here. I mean, I know there was legislation, I think it was in 2012, in the EU that made it, um, that, that sort of <coughs> legislated that um, care workers should be paid for the time between clients, seeing, going and visiting clients. However, that doesn't has absolutely nothing to do when it comes to people having <coughs> contracts. You know, it doesn't in any way abolish contract law which says, no, you're not going to be paid, you know, um, between jobs, between visits that you make from client to client. So I'm just, you know, I'm just bringing that in because I think there are so, sort of points of uh, research and writing on solidarity between these kinds of um, employment and... Um, I don't think that they should be dismissed, basically.
8: Um, yeah, just before John, uh, Flo, you're talking about break-up of imperialism. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we don't have a strategy of breaking up the United Kingdom or Britain, break-up imperialism. We have a strategy to overthrow it, don't we? To unite everybody in it. If you look at the... I mean, I know you you would say the Russian Revolution is a good example, I think. Um, But uh, there's the Russian Empire, and the policy wasn't to break it into bits, but was to unite workers and right across it, and overthrow the whole thing. And uh, for the working class, uh, big units are good, breaking up bad arms. If you unite all the workers, overthrow the state, you need to bring them together, not break them up.
9: Uh, Not quite true about the policy. (laughs) the policy was the right of all nations to self-determination so when the Wild Division was advancing uh, upon St. Petersburg wasn't it uh, the uh, Bolshevik agitators from the various nationalities were able to say that what we're aiming for is that your nation should have the right to self-determination and that had the effect of breaking up Kornloft's forces. If they would said, well actually, we want to establish a new red czarism, keeping you all down, I don't think it would have had that effect. No, it just wasn't the case that we went up to them and said, we want us all to stick together, we're better together and all that bullshit. Well, another interruption film. Yeah, well,
1: I I don't agree with you entirely on that. I think we do want people to stick together (laughs) and that we are better together. And that's the whole thing about self determination. If it is possible for you to get on with your neighbours, it's a lot better than not getting on with them. And uh, that's what they could do. It's it's not just the fact that they they could say to these people, you have the right to live as equals with us in every possible way. That's better than living in a shithole on your own with great big borders around you and unable to move and not get around. And everything. Nationalism and little states and everything, it's an abomination uh, for, for human beings. It's the last thing we want. We want the commonality. We're all human. And if you've got, and an we all economy. speak
9: English, that's what
1: we like. <laughs> yes, that's true. We all will probably end up speaking English, but that's because of the Americans, and not because of us anymore. Uh, it, it's, but you can have two languages. People will have two and three languages. They do in most countries. I've got um, to run briefly, mm-hmm. and then I'll ask Johnny
8: to and uh, we'll call um, it a call it drinking continue downstairs after
6: that so, um, do, do there was a comment made about um, <clears throat> what will happen after the election and the MPs in the Labour strongholds now you could argue in some respects that the Conservative Party might act like a coalition because these MPs going into these areas are going to have to promise on what uh, have to deliver on what they promised and depending on what central government does, Johnson, will uh, potentially affect whether they are able to keep the seat in the next election or not. Um, but one thing that struck me today, and I've just read this, is that not only is, we, we know about the uh, potential for boundary changes, we know about the, the attack on the courts, Jesus. and... um about that. Uh, the, the, and the change in the constitution, because these were in the manifesto, I think page 43, but tonight I've just read that they are now looking to shake up the civil service, <coughs> and attack on the civil service, so it seems to me as though he's trying to shore up um, uh, their power, and it could be that they do actually gravitate towards the right, and... Excuse my language, but <clears throat> fuck these working-class people
8: that are voters are sitting up north, basically. I was to reply to discussion, finish
0: up, and uh, we'll all go downstairs. Okay. I will be very, relatively brief for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of working-class press, well, let's call it a working-class media, because uh, I don't think we should fetishise uh, papers... Uh, But, you know, if you wanted an example that they could do a hundred years ago, then we can look at Germany, we can look at Russia. If you look at Germany, I don't know how many papers Social Democracy have, but let's just call it a hundred, easily, right? Now, nowadays, you know, to set up a radio station, to set up a TV station, all of that is technically extremely easy. The reason why I say a press, though, is simply the question of training our side as working-class journalists that you know and I know when it comes to writing an article. When I first started writing, not only am I dyslectic, I couldn't put a sentence together. Right. So in terms of our side, it needs to learn how to get these ideas over. I don't know how to run a TV studio. Our side needs to learn how to run a TV studio. But it just strikes me that the Labour Party, right, uh, with the resources it's got, ought to make that available to the movement, in a non-sectarian way. The worst thing would be to have a trade union type paper with only the general secretary, with only (laughs) Jeremy Corbyn, or with only whoever. So there needs to be a democratic side to it. There needs to be a facilitating side to it. But I think the working class can have its own media, needs its own media. I I don't want to copy the WRP, but but nevertheless it still trains people. I'd also say this that with the discipline of producing a paper, with the discipline... I haven't done a TV programme, but I know it takes discipline, but with the discipline of putting something on, like a play, right, people have to work together, and that creates you, the organisation. So in terms of a working-class movement, a communist movement... In order to build it, you need your own media. And the, uh, your own media not only builds it externally in terms of people coming towards it, it also builds its its sinews, its muscles. So I think it's absolutely essential. Just relying on Twitter, you won't get anywhere. It, it's atomised. We need some collectivity uh, to it. So that would be my argument there. Um, I'm not really going to go on about Birmingham, let alone... Um, dig your own cobalt. I mean, we are in favour of the International Division of Labour. And certainly what I would say about this, uh, in terms of Phil, have a walk down now in the city. Go to the city now. And you will find every pub closed. Uh, the whole place is a ghost town. And that is that deliberate. You know, that is deliberate by the authorities. Because the City of London is autonomous and they've got 2,000 voters in the entire city of London, and they only want 2,000 voters because these are privileged voters and they vote the right way. Right? So you could build offices, but you could also build homes, and there ought to be homes in the city, right? so that people don't need to commute from Brighton. The reason why they don't build homes is political. It's not property prices, it's political. Um, anyway, we, we certainly want people digging up Colbert, and we certainly want uh, quick deliveries uh, of, of stuff. <laughs> Usually, is the wrong word. You've been reading your Jewish question. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so I won't go there. In terms of what Pam is saying, you might be right, it raised expectations, but I suspect somehow you are wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Boris Johnson's raised expectations. Uh, you know, you, you've, someone's quoted... Uh, uh, flow you quoted uh, well but also keep the manifesto down Mm -hmm. have one Mm -hmm. message, they haven't promised this, that and the other the promises are very vague we will spend more on the NHS they will spend more on the NHS, they have to because the population is getting older, demand is going up, so no doubt they will but they'll privatise you know, of course they will spend more, but it will be privatised Fight back? No, they will fight back, and I absolutely agree. They will fight. Cummings has got this thing about the civil servants, right? And that includes the advisers, by the way. So it's not just humble civil servants; it's the elite civil servants that he hates. He wants to get rid of the liberals. He wants to get rid of the equivalents of the Phil Hammonds, the pro the pro Remainers. He wants the civil servants to be cleared out, and he wants a right wing civil service to be built in its place, a slim down but right wing. In terms of the Tories, my prediction is they will go for the RMT, the rail Union. Mm-hmm. They'll go for rail workers. They will resist, but that won't be us fighting back. In that sense, we will be resisting. They will be attacking. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I expect. Mm-hmm. So, the working class movement, I think, has had a shock. Right? You know, a real shock. Because the militants thought that this manifesto, thought Corbyn would do something, it turns into something very different. It turns into the most right-wing Tory government we've seen mm-hmm. for decades and decades and decades. And I think you have to go back to the 20s, maybe even before, for a similar.
3: 23,
0: Andrew, well, whatever one you want. You're a historian, Chris. You name the date. Well, I but this is, a, this is a nasty, regressive <laughs> Tory government full of bigots. Real bigots, right? So the very fact that they can talk about British Empire 2, British Empire 2, what a bizarre idea. So, yeah, um, this is a Tory government that will be attacking the working class. And the working class, I don't think, has got high expectations of (laughs) this government. That they will attack us. Uh, And the civil servants, uh, uh, as I say, I I take very much on board that point some of the victims will be unusual it's a bit like taking on the BBC full of Tories and yet viewed as biased towards the Labour Party that's how Boris Johnson views it it's bizarre but it's true just lastly um, I will tackle the uh, breakup of imperialism in terms of how Ivor put it um, we want red czarism um, you go to the, the, the enemy troops, you say, we want Red czarism. Uh, would they go for that? No, either, of course they wouldn't go for that, that's a silly thing to say, and no one would say it. And we're not going to the comrades in Scotland and saying, what you want is a red version of the British Empire. You know, of course you don't. We stand for the right of nations to self-determination, as, and as Lenin made it absolutely clear in the Russian Empire, that meant unity. Right? unity right? this is the highest level of unity that's what he explained again and again and again and again so those on the left that use the term self-determination and mean independence don't know anything of Leninism don't know anything of Bolshevism Bolshevism stands for unity and it recognises separation as the exceptional circumstance not the norm and I quoted you Lenin I said that Lenin stood for the principle that in Scotland, principled uh, uh, Marxists stand for unity. We can find out who's a principled Marxist in Scotland by those that say we should be in unity with the comrades in England and Wales. But we in England and Wales, we should stand for the right of Scotland to self-determination. I agree with Flo. You know, if the Scottish Parliament wants uh, independence, it should be allowed to vote for it. I don't even believe in a bloody referendum for it. They should, be, they should be allowed to do that. But if you elect them accept the consequences and the, the consequences <coughs> are not going to be nice. Anyone who thinks they do that and then you you remain in the EU and everything's nice and there's nice trade and the British play ball and you've mm-hmm. got the British pound and you've got the British monarch and you're part of the British Commonwealth and you've still got the British army swearing loyalty to QE2, um, well, you can be naïve or you can be naïve but that is not the break up of imperialism imperialism is a pyramidical system and it's dominated by the United States the United States is not about to break up the United States wants to balkanise other countries that's fine, that suits it, but the United States will dominate the world and they, in Scotland, will not break free from imperialism under the SNP. The SNP is committed to NATO. who controls NATO? You ask the question, you know the answer. you know it So no, this is not the breakup of um, uh, imperialism. It might be the breakup of the UK. Uh, that's certainly true. But then we've got to ask ourselves, and this is the point I would finish with, we on the left need to stop being in the business of just protest demonstrations I'm not denigrating protest demonstrations, I'm saying we should be in the business of global power. We need to look to a strategy building a strategy of how do we realistically come to state power. And it isn't just by a demonstration, or two demonstrations, or (coughs) ten demonstrations, or a hundred strikes. That's what the working class does Without Marxism, it's done spontaneously. Marxism develops a strategy for the working class to come to power globally. That's why we would emphasise Europe. That's why we would emphasise the Labour Party. That's why we would emphasise the press. Why we would emphasise consciousness and organisation uh, as opposed to spontaneity. So that's it. Okay, comrades. It's, um, it's a little while before the next meeting. We've got two. Um,